You're listening to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since everybody welcome to the ggtmc we are back we are alive and uh ready to talk about some movies in this uh complicated time we are living in by crumb we will get some movies in this week i promise um and i say crumb because i've been reading a lot of savage sort of conan lately good for you yes that's right but it's not the uh the telephone books oh yeah breaking the them dark out horse. oh god i love those things they are outstanding. Those are amazing, uh, amazing things to have in your library if you don't have them. Oh, I yeah. found I found a couple yesterday, and I was cleaning, and I joyfully recounted a story to my children about how in grade one, I got some sent home from school with me with a note asking why I had comics with decapitations and breasts in them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was awesome because it's cold him. Yeah. yeah, and today I would I would go to the teacher, and if my they tell my son, I say, why wouldn't he have comic books with breasts and decapitations in them? Yes, um, so I went going, going back to the old uh, Roy Thomas uh, John Bushima. Oh my God, they uh, were so good. That oh, and Ernie Chan. Oh man, Ernie Chan. Ernie Chan's my Conan guy. I mean, that's my <laughs> that's my guy. But John Bushima is a very very close second. Yeah, well, I I always had I always kind of wavered. Um, because I was never a hundred percent sure, and I think that I do know the answer in my heart. But whether uh, whether Chan or Chua or whatever you, whatever you want to call him, uh, uh, whether he influenced Bushima or the other way around, yeah. But I'm going to say, I mean, there, there, you, yeah. dude, every time, no matter who he inked, what uh, if if Ernie Chan was on the the thing, it looked just like a John Bushima drawing, yeah. Well, Chan didn't, well, like with that Ernie Chan, that heavy, heavy black, and yeah, the, Chan didn't. Uh, he didn't do a whole lot of full stories, though. Really, he was mostly a cover artist, or mostly a. Mm, he, he did, did, did some, some stuff, stuff in yeah. the. He did some stuff. Um, I think he did some uh, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, did some stuff like that. I, I want to say, uh, and a couple other things he did. Yeah, but he wasn't like like the thing that he's most known for is really that yeah that Conan stuff with yeah. uh, with Bushima. Yeah, really good stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Love I, it, love it, love it. I recommend from the guys at the GGTMC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and those phone books are great. They're out of print, so you have to kind of uh, hunt for them every now and then. Uh, although, get, although you if you cheap. are somebody who's uh, space limited, and I hate to say this, but you can <laughs> get them on uh, like Comixology and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can tear through that. And of course, that stuff was printed in black and white, so you know you're getting the phone books, you're getting the black and white. You, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's not hurting. It's not hurting anything. Nope. There are some. Uh, I just saw because I don't really keep up with it as much as I used to, but I did see uh, this is the gentleman guys, uh, gentleman's guy to Midnight Comics this week. Uh, <laughs> There, there is a. I guess Marvel reprinted some omnibuses of um, their original Marvel run, and I'm like, uh, I'm like chomping at the bit to maybe spend seventy five dollars per. Yeah, on yeah, these, yeah. Uh, these huge, thick, leather bound books, you know. So. Well, I've been, I've been, I've been uh, debating jumping on the uh, the John Byrne She Hulk omnibus that's supposed to be coming out. Yeah, I did jump on the Avengers John Byrne omnibus. Oh really? Yeah, because that was my favorite. One of my favorite runs of uh, Avengers was the Burn one. Anyway, let's get into what we're here for, because we could talk about that shit all day. Uh, but let's talk about something else we could talk about all day. And that's movies. It's me. It's Sammy. It's Sammy and Sammy. It's no. It's it's Todd and Will and Sammy and we're all here and we're going to talk about movies from the seventies. And uh, that might disappoint some of you, but some of you. What was that? that? Yeah, some of you that might get excited. Like like us, uh, and these are back to back years here. We got Sleeping Dogs, Roger Donaldson, little uh, New Zealand uh, cinema here. Uh, uh, Nineteen seventy seven, like I said, uh, we'll be talking about that. Sam Neill, Warren Oates, Ian Bune, I think how you say his name. It's a good name. Uh, so we might break out some Kiwi accents. Be prepared. Right. And uh, we're going to be doing Straight Time, nineteen seventy eight, directed by Ulu Grossbard. I think it's Grossbard. Um, there is some, uh, debate on if, uh, Dustin Hoffman had a little bit to do with directing this movie. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. He may have helped. Um, both filmmakers have interesting filmographies and, uh, Straight Time is one of those ones where I, I think amongst podcast circles, uh, it's well known, but I think a lot of movie fans probably aren't really aware of it for whatever reason. This thing's always had a tough time. I don't know if it's ever gotten a physical release. Uh, maybe it has by now, and I just don't know it. Maybe by one of those smaller labels, but it's. it's a, great. I thought I feel like Criterion. Jack, I feel like Criterion. I feel like they may have. I know they yeah. they had it on their you know on the on the websites a few times, but I don't think they did. Yeah, I don't think they did. It's one of those mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. I don't. It's kind of like always been kind of a bit of purgatory. It's yeah. weird. It is strange that it's always kind of been out there like that. Uh, you think considering that, Hoffman's profile, right? It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get into those here in a little bit. Let's get into what we've been watching and perhaps what we've been reading, evidently. So uh, <gasps> <laughs> no, let's not go that far. We'll be here all morning. Yeah, we will. <laughs> all right, Todd, what do you got? Oh, I got a couple of things. Uh, let's see. So I went and did a rewatch of The Return of Godzilla from 1984. Um and I don't think I had watched this in any other version than the Godzilla 1985 version. Um, I got the Blu-ray a long while back. Obviously, finally getting down to the uh, the nitty-gritty of my to-watch pile that's been sitting around for about a good 10 years. Um, <laughs> so I finally got to this one, uh, watched it, and it made me realize that, yeah, number one, this really wasn't the best uh, Godzilla movie in the world. Number two... 
I really didn't care for the um, the overall design uh, of Godzilla in this one. And number three, that uh, I still maintain that the uh, the Godzilla movies or any giant monster movie where there's just one uh, monster in it is just not as much fun uh, as when you have two of them beating the shit out of each other uh, on a, a you know a, a miniature set. Yeah, I mean the saying goes, you got to have a mash. You got to have a monster mash. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know that, that's how you get. That's how it gets to be a graveyard smash. Um, that's right. So There's only one way to make it a graveyard smash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do the Boris anyway. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm saving it up for the uh, the New Zealand accents. Uh, yeah, there you go. So yeah, yeah, I caught that one. Um, it does have some fun stuff in it. It is a really different movie uh, if you've only ever seen the American uh, bastardized version. Uh, and it is, you know, kind of uh, right along in line with the uh, the original 1954. Uh, so in that way, it's you know kind of a nice little roundabout. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's not uh, not the best uh, of the series either. You know, um, in total or uh, as a, a soft reboot and kickoff of the uh, the Heisei uh, era. Uh, followed that up with a uh, first time watch, the most dangerous game, 1932. Uh, with um, Robert Armstrong, Joel McRae, Fay Ray um, oh, from yeah, the uh, right. the Shotzak Cooper folks, uh, oh, right. I believe, just prior to uh, their uh, their fantastic King Kong. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. The, the the following year, using some of the same sets and even same shots and same uh, setups. Yes, uh, indeed. Like the log over the ravine and <laughs> yeah. all that sort of stuff. And it, I mean, this thing. It's. Uh, I mean, it's obviously very, very much of its time. Um, yeah, obviously, but uh, it also, man, this thing is. I think like seventy minutes or seventy-five minutes, and once they get to the uh, the meat of this thing, it just takes off and it doesn't stop. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, really, really good. Really well made. Um, and yeah, I just I dug the living crap out of it. Uh, so yeah, there's that one. Uh then I watched a little movie uh, from 1978, starring a few French people: um, it's Gerard Depardieu, Patrick Dewaere, Carol Lare, uh Bertrand Blier's "Get Out Your Handkerchiefs" from 1978. And uh, uh, excuse me, that would be handkerchiefs. Uh, <laughs> chiefs, that's correct. Yes, not chiefs. Chiefs, chiefs. That's right. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, this is, this is fucking weird. (laughs) What a fucking weird movie. Uh, so yeah, uh, Gerard Depardieu is this guy who he's sitting in the restaurant. His, his wife is, you know, depressed. She doesn't, you know, doesn't talk, doesn't do anything. She's like, okay, if you want, you see that guy over there that's been staring at you, I'm going to go tell him and, you know, he can make you happy. However, whatever, uh, then he's going to go do it. And he does. And it's just, it's so absurd and yet so french uh that i completely believe that these things that happened in this movie would actually happen um and it uh it, it, the levels that it gets to is just is bizarre uh and plus i thought that it's you know it's an hour and 48 minutes long i think 49 minutes long uh it's entirely too long I'll put it that way, uh, and then it finishes off with, with this affair with a, a kid who looks just like Mason Reese. Uh, for those of you who remember Mason Reese, um, he was the uh, 
the uh, Underwood deviled ham kid uh, from the commercials back in the way back when. <laughs> wow. Um, what a, what a callback. How about that for a reference? Um, but yeah, uh, he's uh, he's in there, and it just it, it's so f- it's just weird. Um, it, it is funny. It is fun. Uh, it is well made. There, there's some really strong performances. It's nice seeing how ridiculously convoluted these idiots um, make everything, uh, and you know the, these uh, these conversations that they get into. Uh, which just show how ignorant they are. And, of course, Carol Laura being, you know, absolutely a stunning, stunning woman uh, doesn't uh, doesn't hurt anything. And it doesn't hurt that she's pretty much naked uh, almost the entire movie. So uh, so there was that one. That's that's kind of a, a buyer beware. Uh, you really need to, to go into that one. You have to kind of have a, a certain set of uh, expectations or certain mindset, I should say, uh, for that one. Uh, to get much out of it. Uh, followed that up with Escape Room from 2019. Uh, and this thing thinks it's way more clever than it is. And it's really kind of boring. And so, yeah, that happened. What uh, was it? Escape Room? Is that what you said? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, yeah. I know it's what, basically I, Hostel I, meets Cube. Yeah, I, I remember the poster. I remember the poster. I remember thinking... I wonder if I'd like that, and I have never watched it. So, I wanted to, you know, it's something that, that should appeal to me, but I think that it plays dirty because it doesn't really, like, you would think that a movie like this, they would want to give the audience as much as the characters are given so they can kind of figure stuff out, but it doesn't really do that. It kind of cheats it mm. just to have these, like, um, these weird uh, murder machines or whatever happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it just—I don't think it—I don't think it, don't think it uh, really panned out the way that I would—I uh, would have liked it. And then, it, you know, obviously, it—it kind of wants to—it kind of wants to lend itself to a sequel uh, and be like something that's way bigger than uh, than it's set up to be, and and all this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. just—it eh. yeah. it was really dull, and it didn't—it didn't help any that all the characters are, you know, essentially shit, oh, yeah. uh, with with like one exception, of course. Yeah. So. Uh, there was that. Uh, followed that up with Justice League versus the Fatal Five, 2019 animated DC uh, oh, yeah. stuff. And this was a lot of fun. Um, it was nice seeing the Legion uh, kind of showing up there. It was nice seeing uh, them be uh, be handled in a more um, developed sort of way uh, in one of these. Uh, this was one of the better... Uh, animated uh, DC films that I've seen that wasn't an adaptation, uh, so that was nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was just a lot of fun, uh, and it's got a it's got a fantastic ending. Uh, the way that they uh, they tie up the story, the finale of it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I would uh, I would recommend that one to uh, to anybody. I don't know if it's on the uh, the DC streaming uh, service. I would imagine it is. I got the disc from Netflix, so I don't. I don't know offhand, yeah. but I believe it is. Uh, I believe it is. I'm not sure. Yeah, they have like I. I'm pretty sure they have just about all of them on there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not 100 percent on that. Um. So yeah, I, I dug that one, and then I did a watch of Leviathan from 1989. George P. Cosmatos. Yeah. And yeah, this thing was uh really, really. Uh, like an hour and a half long. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, it's so dull. Uh, there's nothing. I mean, it's so carbon copy. It's so cardboard. It's so. I mean, it looks good. Uh, it's got some nice, you know, production value going on in the settings and that it's got some nice pseudo underwater photography. Uh, it's got some, you know, pretty good Stan Winston, uh, studio effects, uh, that are really kind of underused and really shittily shot. Um, but I mean, the movie overall is just so blah. It's not even funny. It's like, it didn't, it's, it's like uh, Daniel Stern in this thing. It didn't even feel like getting out of bed. Uh, to look at porn. Um, so uh, there's that. And then there's that, that ending that has something happen uh, that is so fucking just random and stuck in there that it's just, it's, uh, you're just, you're smacking your head being like, what the fuck just happened? But yeah. uh, well, I haven't seen that in forever. Well, you're not really time. missing anything. So, you know, uh, yeah. But it's got uh, what's her face, uh, Lisa Eilbacher. I mean, it's stri- uh, shows up. It's essentially the, it's essentially Alien underwater, right? So, ah, uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty yeah. much. With uh, Hector Elizondo being the Yafik Koto of the uh, <laughs> the group, you know, always asking for more money, being the union guy and all that. Those two guys don't um, have the same teeth. They do. <laughs> Not the same hair, though. Not the no. same hair. No. no, no, no. But yeah, it's just it's weird. Um, it really is. I mean, it's as it's as carbon copy as it's carbon copy to get. Um, and aside from it looking good, I mean, there's and some gooey effects. That's uh, Peter Weller, right? Peter Weller, yeah, uh, Richard good. Crenna, uh, Daniel Stern, Lisa Eilbacher, Amanda Pays, uh, Hector Elizondo. Yeah, um, yeah oh, no, cast, that's yeah. got a good cast. They're just yeah. they don't really do much. What's the other one? Deep Star. Deep Star Six. Six. Yeah. This, uh, oh, and the Rift. If you wanted to get into the one P. Care Simone yeah. uh, realm, that's uh, oh, that's a Leviathan. <laughs> is Leviathan the one where they drink the tricky vodka? Vodka. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. I saw Deep Star Six in the theater. I did too. I think I like Deep Star Six better than this. Uh, you know what? I'd have to see them. I, I've th- I've thought about picking those films at some point for the show. Just never got around to it. Um, and I'll probably just hang on, keep those in my back pocket. For deeper Please. evaluation, <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, especially for now because you just recently watched it. But yeah, sure, sure. But Deep Star Six has uh, it's it's gotten to the top of my uh, revisit list a few times. I just it something else always kind of gets there first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then otherwise, um, I've been uh, watching. Let me think here. Uh, the new season of Westworld, which I, I gotta say, I'm not liking as much as i would like to um you know i think that the, they've made some uh some decisions that don't really quite mm. work hot take here hot take okay okay I watched, Wait, let me I get my uh, let me get my pants off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i watched that first season of westworld and I, I liked it but i gotta say that show really loves the smell of its own ass a lot it does it does <laughs> but by that same token, I think the first two seasons were actually kind of fun. Yeah. Now, uh, I, in a weird way. at some point during season one, I started to realize that this thing does like the smell of its own ass. Maybe a too much. And <laughs> I, I never watched season two. Now, I'm not saying I don't like the show. I do, but I don't think it's at least in my brief experience with it. I can't, you know, judge it as a whole because I haven't seen everything. I sure. can't say that it's something that I want to dive back into, and that's. Obviously, that's a that's a faux pas for a show. I mean, you want you want to watch it, right? That's the whole idea of a TV show is you want to watch it. 
Right. And uh, at that first season, uh, it may have been enough for me. It may have been enough. I, I like the acting in it. I li- it is better Western acting from Ed Harris than he did in Appaloosa. And it is, uh, <laughs> it is, uh, Anthony Hopkins is good. And, uh, Tandy Newton, I'm a big fan of. And, uh, Tessa yeah. Thompson. Rachel Evan Woods. Oh, yeah. Man, Rachel Evan Woods, she's pretty good. Tessa Thompson, yeah. I'm a, a huge favorite, a huge, huge fan of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there, there's a lot of good acting in the show. Um, there's that one male actor, though, that I don't like in anything. He hangs out with the Evan Rachel Wood character. I can't remember his name. He's done a lot of stuff, this actor, and I, I've never been a big Oh, the, uh, not Pedro Pascal. Um, no, not Pedro Pascal. No. Uh... <laughs> I'd have to look him up. I'll look him up while you're talking. But anyway, yeah, I just, I don't know. That show commits the cardinal sin to me of not wanting to be revisitable, revisitable for me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I've been watching the new season, but I, I, if I'm being 100% honest, I think I might be tapping out on it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think, like I said, I mean, it's just it's gone somewhere that uh, I don't think is really all that interesting and just really isn't working for me. And plus, they added Aaron Paul to the uh, the cast now. Uh, you're, not, who, you're not Aaron who was Paul. That, uh, not really. Uh, so. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. This one actor I'm getting ready to talk to you about, he's kind of like the way you feel about Aaron Paul is the way I feel about him. Yeah, well, I think that that's largely because of, um, I, I, it's not so much that I don't like Aaron Paul per se, uh, it's that I don't really give a shit about Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Never watched it, I've never wanted to, and, um, you know, that's where he's he's known from, so it's kind of a guilt by association kind of deal. Gotcha. Uh, so, and you know, Hey, is that shallow of me? Yes, it is. But you know what? I'm the guy watching this stuff. So I'm allowed that's to be it. every now that's and right. again. Jimmy Simpson is the actor's name Jimmy and, that, Simpson. and that's Jimmy with a J I M M I. That's, that's problem oh, number oh, one. Oh. Top Jimmy. <laughs> but if you, yeah. if you guys look him oh, up. Oh, him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, act, yeah, yeah. that actor, for whatever reason, always kind of takes me out of things. Oh, see, I kind of, I think he's all right. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's fine. I, it's, it's, I mean, not great, but I think he's he's yeah. actually kind of interesting yeah. uh, now and again. He was good Plus on that. He's got show. a really interesting face. He's good on that show, but I just I don't know something about him just kind of takes me out of stuff. You know? Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but I've been doing that, and then the uh, I've been doing a, a rewatch of Community since it uh, hit Netflix. Which man, that fucking show is fucking fantastic. Or at least the first is. couple seasons were. Yeah. So yeah, I've been uh, rewatching that. Like, yeah, it may have reached its apex on the uh, the John Woo inspired uh, paintball episode. The paintballs, yeah. <laughs> that might well, be. Well, there's that, and I think it didn't help them any that they got rid of Dan Harmon. So yeah, yeah, that hurt the show obviously, and a lot of oh, big time behind the scenes uh, drama that Chevy Chase caused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but it will for it, but for now, a moment, that, there's a guy who always takes me out of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's Chevy that, Chase. Yeah, I, every you know, time I see him, because I, I just sit there and think to myself, I know too much about this guy being an asshole behind the scenes. Yeah, no, he's never. Just, I completely cannot yeah. buy him as just being this affable sort of. Yeah, from what I understand, he's never not an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, pretty much. Even to this day, he's still the same ass. He was an asshole at Saturday Night Live, and he's an asshole now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but you know, hey, some people are that way. He he always takes me out of stuff too because he's always Chevy Chase. Uh, he's never, yes. <laughs> you know. But you know, some people I know obviously have a soft spot for him. My wife does. She loves him as I Clark, do. Clark Griswold. Yeah. Uh, I never, I, I've never really loved him, but I don't dislike him either. I like some of his movies. 
Uh, I remember seeing Modern Problems in the theater. I like Modern Problems. I I, I like. Uh, I have a soft spot for Funny Farm. Uh, I have a soft uh, spot. Spies for like us. I do enjoy Spies Like Us. I do enjoy that film. It's uh, terrible, but I like it. Oh, uh, yeah, but it's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, that, but in a nutshell, that's a lot of Chevy Chase movies. They're pretty bad, but uh, yeah. you know, at the yeah, same yeah. time, he's Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. Chevy. 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 <laughs> I made love in my anchor, Chevy van. Anchor Chiefs. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Get your anchor Chiefs. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's all that I got. Kick right. it over to uh, to Willis. What you got, Will? All right. So we started the week uh, hot on the heels of Sammy's family screening of Onward with our family screening of Onward. Oh yes. Um, I think I'm probably roughly around you. Or I think you said six and a half. I come in eh, probably six and a quarter. So, you know, six and a half. Yeah, maybe. it's 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 fine. It's not great. Yeah, it's not, and the aesthetic does nothing for me. Yeah. Like, not not to say it's not you know well done. I just that realm with you know trolls and fantasy stuff just it doesn't appeal to me. And I don't know. It's funny sometimes. Uh, sometimes their stuff works. Sometimes it doesn't. The kids really didn't want to watch this. Was Teresa's pick, mm. and uh, I had to coax them and say, "Listen, you know, Pixar, Toy Story." Incredibles. Yeah. Plus, I also said uh, uh, Spider-Man and uh, I was going to say Stargrove, for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> Star-Lord, right? So, you know, uh, we I think yeah, they liked it enough. I think the sentiment's fine. I'm a sucker for the dad stuff, of course. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some good moments, you know. But, yeah, that, that's that's where it's at, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braden, it was Braden's pick. He wanted to drop one on William that William had never seen. William was at a birthday party the day that he and I watched it, and that was Van Damme's Sudden Death. Uh, I'm going to go on the record here, uh, and I've said this before. I'll stay this till the day I die. For me, I'll take Sudden Death over Die Hard seven days a week. Yeah, not yeah. even close. Yeah. I fucking lo- and I'm not saying that because I'm Canadian. There's hockey shit in this. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I'm telling you, man. It's fucking. F- it is so fun. I don't think I've ever seen Sudden Death. To be it's honest, it's really. F- I'll tell you what. Oh, I'm going to sell you in two words. No, uh, three words. No, four <laughs> words. Powers Booth as heavy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You kind of have. You have seen Sudden Death though, because you have seen Die Hard. So you. Have well, heard. there is that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this takes. And I saw Snake Eyes. Yeah, well, exactly. This is Game 7, Stanley Cup Finals, Blackhawks, Penguins. Uh, Van Damme so this is a historical document, is what you're telling me. Precisely. It, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's got a really fun mascot kitchen fight, um, <laughs> yeah. some good stunt work. I think, you know what, having watched this in Hard Target back-to-back weeks, I remember when we first did the show, I was very much Team Seagal. I just thought Seagal was cooler. But, you know, because Seagal hit hard with his first few, right? Like Above the Law, Hard Target, Hard to Kill. Not Hard Target. Above the, above the Law, Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill. And what was Mark the other for one? Death. Mark for Death. So that was a nice trifecta right there. Yeah. Um, but as we've gone back, and even if I take out sort of the very self-aware, sincere, kind of can poke fun at himself, modern Van Damme. If I'm just looking at, like, I, I want to keep meaning to throw a thread up in the group, but you look at a six-pack of Van Damme's best films, I'm telling you, I think it can probably run with run with most action stars, if not all. Yeah. No, I, mean, I agree. It's really, really good. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, you know, you look at Hard Target, you look at Sudden Death, you look at Bloodsport. 
uh, Kickboxer. Well, there's good directors in there Cyborg. too. Isn't Sudden yeah. Death? Is that, is that Peter Himes? Who, yeah, you got. He worked with Himes. He worked with. I um, think that's Himes. Himes did Time Cop too, as well. So I and, and then you got Time Cop too. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. But for a while, Van Dam had it going on. I, I think I fell off. I know when I fell off the Van Dam uh, missile, uh, pink torpedo. Uh -huh. uh, that oh, yeah. was uh, Double Impact. Was that the one with the twins? Oh, uh, that's double, a runny. Double team? Double team. No, no, no. Double, double impact? Double, double impact, impact, I think. I think double impact. Because double team is him and Rodman. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like double impact a little bit, but I started to fall off there because it just, I don't know. I just, I think he had it's his. Because Paul Sorvino was in it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they didn't have anything. That's the one thing about Van Damme movies I also find interesting. If you go back and look at those films, he's got some really good actors in those movies with him. Coasters, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Well, it was yeah, nice. People and, still eat. They still yeah. have to pay for their, you know, they pay their coke bills. And yeah, yeah, they were yeah. well, they were pushing him pretty good, you know. And I think, oh, yeah, yeah. I think I was always more Van Damme uh, at the time. Uh, I did, I did find my fondness for Seagal. Seagal was more macho. I think Van Damme. He was. Van Damme crossed over to obviously female pill because of his large ass. Yeah, but, uh, he was a good-looking guy. Uh, Fuck, yeah. even with a mullet. My yeah. wife goes, even when we were watching our target this weekend, she goes, you know, even with the mullet, he's still good looking. I said, he is. I can't deny it. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy's, you know, he's just one of those things. I mean, he's one of those things. The camera loves him. and Yeah, it does. And, uh, it does. you know, he's he's got a body. He's got a look. And, uh, you know, he can't always act. But at the same time, he he just has that thing that you can't explain. And Seagal and has know, it, too, but it's in, different, it's in a different way. And you know what's funny? I think Van Damme, we've talked about this. He, he He's going to get dragged through the mud. He's going to get beat up, and he has a certain earnestness, ironically, to a lot of his characters. Like they're they're not cocky, too cool. Like there's a certain I don't know. There's an innocence every, to him. It's there's a much of an innocence in every man, in spite of being yeah. having uh, yeah. an incredible ass and a good-looking <laughs> face. Uh, you know, he just somehow yeah. yeah, he does it, man. But I'll tell you, I'll take his six-pack. And I think he could run with any action stars. Yeah. You know, I mean that. I just he's he's great. You know? Yeah, I think he's, he's got a strong six pack. I think Seagal's only really got. I think he's got good movies mixed in, but I think he's got a really strong three pack. He's yeah. got a, yeah yeah. He's got a good, really great three. Then you get into like the on deadly ground territory and all yeah. this stuff. And that's that's where the ship started to sail on Seagal. Yeah, <laughs> executive decision. Was it executive decision? Was that him? Yeah, uh, yeah, but that, uh, that yeah, he was in oh. there for like. Yeah. Hot minute, hot minute. Yeah, yeah but that was yeah. him trying to do something different, and it was actually pretty smart of him. But then he didn't capitalize on that. He no, then he, he went backwards. Like Ego got back in the way, and yeah, talk about yeah. somebody that likes the smell of his own butthole. Oh man, it's it's terrible. Like he's yeah. a joke. Yeah, he has been fat Elvis for twenty plus years, man. <laughs> yeah, it is terrible. Yeah, he's he's I lost. Mean, he's he's a lost ball in high weeds, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's too bad. It's yeah. too bad. Um, so next up, we did a rewatch, and how did we get back to? Well, this was William's pick. William wanted to do uh, one that he's become quite fond of, that we all love, because uh, we got the gorgeous Arrow Blu-ray, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, yeah. Nice. What can I say? I mean, it's probably going to become an annual or biannual viewing for us. Um, we really love it, and we did the the haunted house at Halloween Horror Nights Universal this year, and it kind of gave us a new level of appreciation for the house and for the film. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be honest. It's one of the most rewatchable films probably ever made. It's, it's so rewatchable, and the budget was $2 million bucks. The Kyoto Brothers stretch a dollar as good as anyone has yeah. uh, right. in a genre. It's just gorgeous. You know, yeah. we always lamented the lack of 80s colorful films on Blu-ray early on in our show. This is just a, 
a calling card for 80s colorful genre films beautiful beautiful i mean i'm just marvel at the the creature design the inventiveness of uh, of the kills yeah, yeah. So it's just so fun and let me ask yeah. you guys because i put a thread in the group 88 blob i think it's 88 88 blob or whatever 80s blob or killer clowns which one gun to your head uh well uh blob. yeah i mean i i like blah blah but I, i'd have to go to clowns because i've seen it more and i've wanted to see it more so i guess i'll have to go clowns I like Blob a lot, though. 88 Blob, I know we all do. So, you know. Yeah, good film. Oh, I don't know which way I got it. Fuck, I had a gun in my head. Oh, buddy, this is make or break right now. This is tough. Let's Three, go. Two, one. You go first. I asked you first. I did Blob. Oh, you did say Blob. Blob, oh, fuck. I'm going to split that. Oh, this is even worse. This is even worse. Uh, I'm going to go Blob. And like no a, help from the audience. I'm getting, yeah, I'm like, maybe maybe Blob by a cunt hair, but tomorrow, I keep going to say cunt hair on air. <laughs> there we go. Wow, forgive me. Oh, nice. Good Lord. Speaking of Steven um, Seagal. Steve, speaking of, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he, is a, uh, he is a walking cunt hair. He know, is, right? if there ever was one. He's a walking <laughs> butt hair. Uh, oh, don't have to worry about that with Van Damme. There's no hair on that butt. No, there sure ain't. He, uh, he keeps <laughs> yeah. that slicker, civilian. slicker than yeah. a duck feather. That ass, yeah. slicker <laughs> than a duck feather, <laughs> and, and thicker than a snicker. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, cook that cookies and cream. <laughs> uh, I just got a couple more here. Uh, we fold laundry. Stumbled across this on Netflix as a documentary short. Uh, Netflix original, Ghost of Sugarland. Oh. Really, really like this one, man. Yeah, is that the one about the terrorist thing? Potential terror? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've seen that a while back. Really? That, that's pretty good. It's really good. Yeah. Um, 30 minutes long. Looks at uh, an African-American man who was very marginalized uh, in his community. Uh, befriended a bunch of uh, Pakistani youths. And they look back and um, look at his uh, convert to Islam and, and just how he got radicalized. And they kind of lament how he felt like he was on the fringes and he ended up in deep. Um, yeah, too deep. Yeah, yeah, really well done. Uh, doesn't get preachy. Music, like a very human piece. Um, quite enjoyed it. Quite enjoyed it. Uh, next up, uh, still folding laundry. No, still putting laundry away. Another one on Netflix. Uh, Jules Catch One. Now, I'd never heard of Jules Catch One. I like to think of myself as a little bit of a... I like disco, I'll admit it. No shame in my game. Uh, this was apparently like the Studio 54 of Los Angeles. Mm. Um, so the owner of it, uh, in her own words, had four strikes against her. She was black. She was lesbian. She was poor. And I can't remember the fourth strike was now. But anyway, against all odds, she opened up this club catch one. And, uh, and it was open for pff, I don't know how many years. I mean, just, you know, and it just kind of looks back at... at uh, it's heyday and, and the AIDS crisis and, you know, pretty good, pretty good stuff. I quite enjoyed it. Um, last up, something that my wife started watching. And I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys had said you'd watched. I'm very curious to see if you have what you thought of it. But my wife watched it last year. And I remember thinking, wow, this is a really good looking show. Uh, and it is Netflix's The Umbrella Academy. Have either of you oh, guys yeah. seen this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Todd did. I, I never got around to it, but Todd did watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Todd, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll tell you, we're we're head over heels for it yeah. as oh, a yeah. family. Yeah. 
That's and a I think uh, the next book. season should be coming out pretty soon. Yep. Yeah, Dark Horse comic adaptation, I believe. Um, yeah. yep. So I remember at the time when my wife was watching, thinking, man, this is a good-looking show she's watching. And I, I didn't think I wouldn't like it, but, you know, I, I just have never been a TV guy. But after Tiger King and now this is getting, getting into some of the more long-form stuff. So I don't, I don't think the Umbrella Academy is um, high concept or no. it's, it's, it's uh, of average intelligence with its writing. I'm, but I'm willing to forgive, and it's not stupid, and it's not. Um, oh, it's just very it's, straightforward. It is very, very straightforward, but it's, it's a gorgeous show. Got some nice show. ideas in it. It's got some interesting characters. Absolutely, and here's the selling point for Sammy. This guy Bobby Sheehan knocks it out of the park as Klaus. Yeah, one of the mm-hmm. He plays a very he plays a very Bobby Sheehan character in it. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. Bobby's- and um, Mary J. Blige is a hitman. <laughs> Would have thought. Yeah, um, why not? Who else is in this? Oh, you know who's really good in it is Ellen Page. So yeah, yeah, she's really good. Um, the cast is fun. They have good chemistry. Uh, like I said, it's a gorgeous show. Some really good uh, ape movie, like new ape movie esque CGI for one of the characters. Um, yeah, I really, we all really love it. We've been binging it hard. Um, we're probably going to finish it tonight. We got three episodes to go. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it, man. I'm really enjoying it, and cool. I recommend for. I mean, there's a few risque things, but I, mean, I think if uh, ah. you know, if your kids have watched Stranger Things yeah, or it's... you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy type stuff, for the most part, I mean, you know, you have to talk about what a, maybe a drug addict is, but um, it certainly doesn't glorify it. Um, yeah, I loved it. I, I thought maybe you would have watched it, Todd, for sure. So, oh yeah, yeah, no, I dug it a lot. Looking I'm, forward to the the next one. Oh, me too. And it's it's so obviously shot in Toronto. It's just <laughs> the nooks and crannies of. Did either one of you guys watch Shit's Creek or no? No. Okay. Anyway, it's the same motel, which for my wife is a big geek out point because she loves Shit's Creek, which I actually charming. I find charming as well. Anyway, that's my week. Nice. Nice. Wicked. Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot. Um, mostly, I believe. Oh, damn, I only watched a couple things, and I still got to pull up my letterbox. That tells you what my memory's like. Yeah, brother. Uh, nice. I watched something. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of free time, so I watched something for me when I had a chance, and I watched something obviously with the kids. Uh, we watched the kids and I, and my wife watched uh, Trolls World Tour. It's exactly what you think it would be if you saw the. I never saw the first Trolls movie, so I don't know, but it's you know like a piece of bubble gum for kids it's just kind of silly and lighthearted, and you know this one's kind of about uh inclusiveness of all music genres and uh so there's a lot of inclusion in the storyline and all that kind of stuff and talking about people's differences and stuff it's fine it's uh silly but uh nothing nothing to write home about certainly um we rented that that's a, one of those 20 dollar rental things so we just you know fun movie Ooh. movie at the house you know you know you just Essentially, go you know go to the movie area and rent the movie, and it's like going to the theater, right? So, uh, which is fine because you know we didn't have to leave the house, so it's cheaper than going to the movies. I'll say that. Um, plus, you can pause. That's that's essential when you gotta take when you're 47 years old and you gotta take a leak uh, twice during the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing I watched, I watched a documentary on HBO called The Scheme. This one's about. Uh, College basketball went through a bit of a Adidas and college basketball went through a bit of a um, 
controversy, a uh, bit of a scandal not too long ago, uh, paying players, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and this kind of goes into detail about it and stuff. And it just shows you just how crooked uh, college sports and sports in general are. Um, it, it's funny. You know, I, I often laugh at people who say kids that play college basketball play it for the love of the sport. And I'm like, yeah, that's not exactly what kids play basketball for. Uh, kids play basketball for the love of the paycheck. And uh, yeah. there's no such thing as the love of the sport anymore. Uh, it's all about tennis shoes and selling things. And I know that firsthand because I buy a ton of NBA crap uh, <laughs> to support that stuff because my son loves the NBA. And uh, But, of course, you know, it takes time to figure that out and stuff. My, You know, I, I did when I was younger, and he'll figure it out on his own, so I let him love it while he can. Um, but this is kind of gets into that and... And you know, kind of gets into the you know Rick Pitino, the Louisville thing. He ended up getting fired for that, and the the prostitute scandal back to back, and then everything else. But what really you come out with it is is that you know the NCA is a uh, an organization that sells itself on being forthright, and uh, and the truth is they're probably one of the dirtiest organizations on the face of the planet. So you know, uh, I don't th- I think people forget that they generate a ton of income, and uh, that income does not go to the players, does not go to people. It goes to big wigs that set at the top of boards and stuff and things like that. And then those big wigs uh, run political things and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 a big joke and uh, really should be abolished. But that's just my personal opinion. So there uh, there's that. But it's uh, it's an interesting story and it kind of shows you you know just how dirty that that world is. And it's 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 filthy. I mean, it's as filthy as it gets. <laughs> and the stuff that parents will do for money uh, never never shocks me. It never shocks me. It's 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 a sad sad state of affairs. That you know, essentially, it's. I, I often laugh and and lament at uh, when people say the, these players become successful, and I see it only as glorified slave slave trading. Is that's all it is? You give them forty million dollars, but you're still selling bodies. It's not you're not doing anything but selling bodies, and uh, that's the way the people in the business world look at it. You know, they're looking at these kids as bodies. So they're not looking at these kids as people. Well, well I mean, you could you could put that up to the Hollywood as well. I oh mean, yeah, you could put it up to anything. It's not uh, it, it does it says it's not exclusive to. Yeah, no. The, the only difference I think is, in this case, these kids are sold a bill of goods that isn't true. Hmm. And uh, I think Hollywood from the get go will tell you that the, you know I think it'll tell you that it'll run over you if it gets a chance. Whereas I think these well, kids are are just not they're not told the truth from the get go. Like they're they're told. I don't know. I think you I think you got to be pretty. I, gotta, I think you got to have a pretty heavy set of blinders on <laughs> to go into the shit without thinking that you're not going to get you know there's not the, a good possibility you're going to get chewed up and spit out. Yeah, trust me. These people blinders. Even the horses are like, where the hell did you get those blinders? <laughs> <laughs> these people have no idea what the real world's like uh, it's really a shame uh, but they're blinded by money and fame and they're blinded by all that shit and it, it's really it's sad it's a, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs I mean it's, that's what I, always, I come away from them. it's a sad but it's also like so many things it's generated by money and money is uh, considered a form of success and uh, it's the ultimate form of success I guess for most people and the more money you make, the more successful you are, quote unquote. But yeah. Uh, yeah. truth is, you know, a lot of these kids are millionaires, and then they're broke within five years, yeah, because they don't know how to do any of it. So 
And it is true. You can you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to anything. Politics. You can apply it to movies. You can apply it to television shows. Comic. Maybe even comic books. Even though those guys don't probably get paid as much. No, they get like a dollar <laughs> a, a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is it is comical to me. This kind of uh, the world that people think it is. There's a whole generation of folks out there that think it. You know, it's all about it's all about the sport. And the great way of thinking about this documentary is it opens with the, one of my favorite quotes of all time about sports from Jerry Tarkanian, who says that, you know, <laughs> nine out of ten teams are cheating and the one in last place isn't. Yeah. And uh, that's the truth. I mean, the truth is, you know, I live in the state, a basketball state, and trust me, this, uh, this state cheats a lot. <laughs> and uh, you'll never catch me, you know, my wife, my wife hates it, but you'll never catch me sitting around rooting for them or anything like that because it's it's all just a big game. It's a big joke, and uh, you know, paying players and stuff that happens all the time down here, all the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's it's a big joke. And do I think they should get paid? Let me let me go one step further politically. I do think they should get paid. Of I think I do. think the players should get paid because uh-huh. these uh these big wigs they make a ton of money off these kids, a ton of oh, money, yeah. millions, millions, yeah. And I think the kids should get something. I think definitely. Well, at that point, then why don't we just, you know, all it is is another. Yeah. What exactly? uh, Another division of professional sports at that point. So why why even call it college sports? Don't even have it associated with college. Well, the reason why college. Just tell them. Just tell them. Listen here. Yeah. Want money? Come on, let's go. Don't worry with college. Fuck it. You know you're gonna get chewed up anyway. So let's just fucking go over here. We'll pay you a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, though they well they wouldn't have to pay them a lot of money they're not nearly as much as the NBA pays them obviously but they would they would definitely have to pay them some but the uh, yeah I mean that's what it would be because you know the the turnaround on NCAA sports is so high because you don't pay anybody and yet you generate billions of dollars uh, because you don't have to pay anybody you don't have to pay anybody anything and uh, so there's like I say there's three or four guys and then they're willing to overlook everything that's the problem with the thing is they're willing to overlook all the rules and everything else just to get that player in there and then go on tv and talk about how important academics are and it's it's just a joke it's a big joke um but you know it is what it is you know and that's the world we've kind of come to be and of course i'm an old man now i don't think anybody that plays sports should get paid more than the average working man um but that's just me i don't think you just because you can hit a ball far just because you can dunk and just because you can tackle doesn't mean you're better than the person who has to go to work every day so that's just me but you know, he, no. he that's, that's everybody. Everybody's got their own thoughts on that. Um, yeah, but it is interesting because uh, <laughs> you can tell how oblivious some of these guys are to the fact that they're being watched. Uh, and uh, it's 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 interesting in that way. But there's a lot of money in that world, man. A lot of money in sports. A lot of money, and it's it's a it's a it's a funny world because it's a world that picks on the poor. Promises them a bunch of uh, promises them the world, and then seriously just shits them right out. <laughs> it just shits them right out. So it's like you know you go into these they go into these neighborhoods. I mean they essentially go into these very poor urban neighborhoods, look for the best specimen. See see if this sounds familiar. Go in there, look for the best specimen physically. Create breed that specimen in a lot of ways. Sell that mm-hmm. specimen to five or six white guys, make yeah. a lot of money, and then when they're done with them, wash their hands with them. Yeah. And the only thing that justifies it is the word money. 
Because supposedly we give them a lot of money too, but you know, whatever. It's a big joke. But again, I would never tell my son that. It's just me. He'll, he'll figure it out on his own. He doesn't need me to figure it out. Um, that's about it. Yeah. So one movie that was gleeful and exciting, uh, I guess, to be happy with life, Trolls, and the other one, uh, a bit more of a reality check. But I watched that one by myself. <laughs> Even my, my wife won't watch it. She's like, I'm not watching that. That's just going to tell me college sports are dirty. I'm like, yeah, exactly. You don't want to hear that, do you? <laughs> Yeah. If you know my wife, you know that she loves her college sports. So she, oh yeah, she uh, she hates when anybody brings up that uh, certain schools might be dirty, especially hers. <laughs> I got I got news for her though. <laughs> it's not a matter oh, of you if. Didn't know. Yeah, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Uh, yeah. She'll see. Um, okay, so that's it. We're going to get into some movies now. Uh, I guess we're doing Sleeping Dogs first. It's seventy seven straight time seventy eight. So let's uh, let's get into it. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back right after this. Small town, bright lights, Saturday night, pinballs and pool halls, flashing their lights, making change behind a counter in a penny arcade. Set the fat girl daughter of Virginia and Ray. Lydia, Lydia hid her thoughts like a cat behind her small eyes, sunk deep in her fat. She read a romance magazine up in her room, felt just like Sunday on Saturday afternoon. But dreaming just comes natural like the first breath from a baby like sunshine feeding daisies like the love hidden deep in your heart all right uh nobody told stories quite like john Prine did so good stuff Talk about uh, rural America. I don't think anybody did it better. Yeah, he was good. Uh, yeah, no, it's, he's he's one of the best. Our good pal Tim is a big fan. I know we didn't pour him one out from this week. When I think yeah. of John Prine, I think of Tim because he yeah. turned yeah. Teresa and I on to him with "In Spite of Ourselves." Yeah, kind of became a song yeah. I really love. Yeah, "In Spite of Ourselves" that song. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever played that on the show. I've, I may have that song in the past. I can't remember. But um, yeah, that's a good example of. Uh, marriage that's uh you know lasted a long time right so <laughs> yeah yeah and the, the you know the kind of things you look upon fondly as you get further into a marriage as opposed to you know the things you originally look into it for the kind of passion oh, yeah. and stuff eventually you kind of get used to the other things but yeah great storyteller um yeah one of the victims of covid there yeah uh him and mm. uh lost two great songwriters this past week him and adam schlesinger schlesinger might not be as popular but uh, that's Fountains of Wayne guy, and uh, hell, hell of a songwriter that guy. Well, and the week before, not to COVID, but we lost one of my favorites, Bill Withers. Yeah, Bill Withers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I mean, but yeah, just it's been a tough few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To say the least, has been. Uh, sleeping dogs. Let's get into some conversation about movies. What we're here for? Not all this dismal 
COVID-19 talk. You're here to escape the COVID. Yeah, we hope so. Uh, even though we're talking about it, but we're, we're we, you know, you can't you can't not talk about it. I guess it's it's out there. Um, I'm I'm uh, uh, puffing wind here a little bit because I didn't have the film up ready. Now I do. You're vamping. I'm vamping. Yeah, doing that. <laughs> Roger Donaldson, 77. Uh, a New Zealand man recently estranged from his family gets unwittingly caught up in a revolution. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, mate. <laughs> This is uh this film's kind of known for kicking off uh, a bit of a, a film movement in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and Roger Don- Roger Donaldson, the director, he kind of went on. He's went on to do some interesting things. He's not. Uh, he definitely has. Yeah, he's not the. I wouldn't consider him like a stylist or anything, but I've always thought his filmography is very interesting. Yeah, he's a good, competent workman filmmaker, and it's funny even outside of him, maybe even more than him, if you look at some of the other principles involved behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that there was, in hindsight, a lot of talent. Um, the DOP shot a ton of stuff. Uh, Michael Saracen, not Sarazen, uh, shot the new Apes films, shot Gravity, yeah. Uh, yeah. Angela's Ashes, yeah. Mercury Rising, City Hall, Birdie, Foxes, Midnight Express, Bugsy Malone. Actually, he worked in the lighting department on Bugsy Malone, but... Uh, yeah, it's just uh, that's quite the filmography. It is, and Donaldson's kind of mixed. He's kind of he reminds me of Alan Parker a little bit. He kind of jumps around in genres. Yeah, it's uh, funny you mentioned Parker because I feel like um, someone involved in this. I heard Parker's name mentioned, as a yeah, matter of fact. Yeah. So he kind of reminds me of Parker a little bit. Parker kind of jumps into horror, thriller, comedy a little bit, and, and Donaldson does the same thing. I mean, he did Cadillac Man. He did, which kind of has a dark tinge to it, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did like you know the remake of the Getaway. He did Thirteen Days, which is a pretty good Kevin Costner movie. If you've never seen it, No yeah. Way Out. Speaking of Costner, yeah, uh, he did Species. Uh, I, I, yeah, Species. I like. I like it. Yeah. I liked uh, his Jason Statham movie, The Bank Job. I liked that. Yeah, movie. it was good. Actually, gives Statham a chance to stretch his legs a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just a standard, you know, Statham uh, kicking people movie. It was, uh, yeah, no, it was back a good, good period piece. Yeah. But he's got some good stuff, and of course, we can't forget. Cocktail, 1988s. I told my wife that because she was. Yeah, man. That is a high water mark. Hey, you wouldn't get Kokomo without a baby. That's right. That's right. Roger Johnson is is alone, is responsible for Aruba, (laughs) Jamaica. (laughs) (laughs) Bermuda? Bahamas? Come on, Toddy Mama. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, Toddy Mama. Listen, I'll tell you what. We'll get there faster, then we'll take it slow. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man, but that's where we want to go. <laughs> you know, way down to Kokomo. Yeah, right down in your Coco Ho. Yeah, might uh, as well be. That fucking song. Kokomo, man. <laughs> anyway. It's a Coco Hole, all right. I so, thought we'd be working on Kokomo on this show, but no. it shows a funny way of taking us down paths. It does. It does. Um, yeah. Yeah, took us right down that path. I was going to say something, but yeah. John Prine to fucking late era commercially fueled Beach Boys. Yeah. So I I picked this. This is an Arrow Academy release. So uh, somewhat uh, the show is a little bit sponsored by Arrow, I guess I should say this week. Uh, I had this uh, disc for a while. I had not seen this one. I think one of you had said that you had actually seen this before, you think? Uh, Maybe it was Will. Maybe it was Todd. I don't know. 
I had no idea this existed. Yeah, I, I didn't know I had the, the yeah, disc this, as well, and yeah. I didn't know what it was. I Yeah, this is I one of those no weird ones. This is a film, I think, that's flown under the radar for a long time. Uh, and uh, so we'll get into it here. I don't care who wants to lead on it. Uh, uh, I picked it, so I'd uh, rather I not. Can if, uh, yeah, because I won't be leading on the next one, so I don't mind leading on this one. Go ahead, brother. Um, yeah, so this one I really knew nothing about. Complete unknown. And I think all of us, as you kind of said there, as you hear me shuffling pages looking for my notes, um, getting to the end of this, this notebook, uh, no, I had no clue about it. Nothing. Um, I knew about Donaldson. I knew about the DOP. The uh, gentleman that scored the film also has a pretty decent... Um, a pretty decent, um, da, 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 da. no, he doesn't. I lied to my own face and everyone else's. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's, there's someone else involved anyway in this production. But, um, yeah, so Arrow put this out. And, and, you know, as we've often said, and we're not just blowing smoke up their asses, uh, Arrow and Arrow Academy, by extension, uh, have a knack for putting out stuff that, you may not have heard of, but when you see it, you're glad that you have seen it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know, overstate this one either, but I feel like, you know, much like with some criterion, I think, man, what the fuck's this? And then I'll watch it and I'll think, wow, you know, that's yeah. this reason. It's well, part you, of the you, you have said on the history of the show, you've called Arrow the criterion collection of genre films. Yeah, and I, I maintain that. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, you look at the this film. Behind sort of the film itself, I think it was the first, if I remember reading correctly, the first film shot in New Zealand in 15 years, yeah. which is just, it's mind-boggling to me. And it was the first New Zealand film to be shown in U.S. theaters. Yeah. So I think that's kind of an interesting film factoid. Yeah. Um, and Donaldson, as we talked about, a, a very, you know, reasonably successful commercial filmmaker. Um, it sometimes gets roped into Australian cinema, too. And, of course, that comes yeah. from the proximity of New Zealand to Australia and the accents and and whatnot. Um, but, I, I, you know, Ooh. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know this was a kickoff point for a whole new era of New Zealand cinema. I didn't know any of that stuff. So no. this is a bit of a lesson for me. I didn't even know Sam. I thought Sam Neill was Australian. I didn't even know he was a Kiwi. Same. Oh, Sammy. Oh, I hear footsteps already. That's oh, do you? Oh, so man. Long. All right. He's there um, for paint about eggs. Paint about <laughs> eggs, eh? Um, yeah, but I'll tell you, speaking of uh, peanut butter eggs, how about that sweaty ass crack in HD? Too many oh, peanut butter eggs will do that to you. Ooh. Sam Neill does not strike me as the kind of man that would have a sweaty ass crack, but boy, it was sweaty when he got out and went and stretched his legs in that... Uh, well, let me let me say something about Sam Neill. I, I have always had a weird relationship with him cinematically. Sometimes I think he's good. Yeah. Sometimes I think he's beyond stiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks great. He's got a face that's amazing. I think uh, his eyes are electric. He's got electric they're eyes. Electric. Yeah, among and, the best in cinema history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's just got like. yeah. Eyes, I mean, they're amazing. I mean, they 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 look right through you. And uh, they're an amazing set of eyeballs. And he certainly has a look, but he's never been an actor that I think of when I think of, I, I guess I guess the best way to put it is I've always thought of him in a lot of ways, a lot of the performances he's done is kind of a stuffy white shirt actor. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like a business, yes. all business. Uh, yep. No, uh, in this he's a bit of a survivalist, a bit of a, 
uh, well, for lack of a better word, I don't know what the Kiwi word for it would be, but a bit of a redneck a little bit, you know. Um, but I, I, he's always kind of struck me as, you know, all business, uh, prim and proper. Um, and even in like something like Jurassic Park, he's, he's a bit of a stick in the mud, right? Mm. And uh, he's always kind of done that for me. And now, now he plays great heavies. He's really good at playing heavies because he has a look. Um, but he's never really done much for me as a lead, as a romantic lead or a hero type lead. I do like him in In the Mouth of Madness a lot, but I think that might be because of Carpenter more. And um, I do like him in more than a handful of things. So the piano, he's really good in that. And uh, he's in a lot of films he's really good in. But uh, I don't know. Something about him has always kind of turned me off a little bit. But in this, there's a lot of emotion to this performance, something I'm not used to from him. I, I'm i going to say I, I like him a lot more than you do. Um, I, I love him. I do think he is. He can be hit or miss. Um He's, he's, he's odd. He's an odd one for sure. <laughs> but uh, I always, whenever I see his name in the credits, I do tend to perk up because I think he's a very talented actor. And yeah, he can uh, he can bring it, uh, certainly. Um, he is in the, we can say now for sure, he is in the Beard Growing Hall of Fame. Oh, man. It's <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a, he's very a fur, furball impressive. would be the good word, yeah. It's McCready-esque. Yes, it is. I don't think it looks as handsome as McCready's beard, but it's it's as dense and robust as any. I mean, it's it's no joke, man. It's very good. Um, yeah, so Neil and Oates, uh, interesting tandem. And actually, we should say, with both of our films this week, this is, I think, four in a row now, adapted from books. Yeah. This was adapted from a book called Smith's Dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, oh, I know what it was. The DOP also shot uh, Angel Heart as well. No, oh, cool. that's the Alan Parker connection there. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. There we go. There we go. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so this one, you know, I heard comparisons to Z and Battle of Algiers. And I don't know. I feel like that sets up a, that sets up a very lofty standard for this film. And I think yeah, it's, and it's this, unfair. This yeah, and this movie's not as interested in in um, in certain things as as this one is. This is more interior, uh, where very those are so. very very much uh, political landscape oriented. Yeah, very much so. This is much more, as you said, an interior film um, as opposed to a far further reaching movement of sorts uh, yeah. and the machinations yeah it's a different thing than that certainly well, yeah because i mean we're dealing more with a character yeah, yeah, well, okay so the movie starts with the country and it's in turmoil and uncertainty right and he's neil is a, is a father uh, slash husband right he, he doesn't really have you know answers for his family right but he's he's bitter um he's bitter not only at the situation exterior to his home but the one in this house, and that's really kind of the setup here. So, uh, to say that he's emotionally vulnerable is an understatement, and uh, you know he's ideologically neutral, uh, yeah. at least at least initially, or, or so yeah. we're you know so we're led to believe. But that's yeah. that's the key here because uh, you know Z and the Battle of Algiers are about political proponents uh, doing things that are politically motivated, um, whereas this is a guy who doesn't want. Uh, anything to to do with anything, uh, you know, he wants to get away from civilization. He absolutely does, he's, uh, which is which is something yeah. you would you would think was is quite easy in uh, in New Zealand. Um, so you know, 
But that's that's, I think, the setup. that's that's the difference between between this one and, and those uh, those those other types of movies. And I also feel that those films are much more propulsive in nature than this. Well, they're also a little more realistic. They are this, and and they take on a handheld format at times stylistically, whereas this feels cinematic. Now, I will say this: I feel like the uh, some of the um, the riot stuff is yeah. really wonderfully shot. And it is. It has a uh, an orchestrated chaos to it. it. It works reasonably well in small doses, um, whereas the other films feel um, almost documentary in their authenticity yeah. at times. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, that was that was their that was their appeal. Is they were they were supposed to be you know supposed to be like man on the street, oh, yeah. placing you in in the uh, in there to have you be on the side of the political leanings of the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whereas and this is a little bit different from that, although this certainly has, you know, its own political leanings as well. It does. And I, I wouldn't say that the political, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a different film. And I think to, to lump it in with those, I think. Yeah. It's, it's not it, the same thing. It does. It's this kind film, of unfair. It is unfair because to me, those are two of the best films for me. They're, they're two masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it, it does this film a disservice. Um, so, yeah, we talked about his beard. Uh, bah, 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 bah. You know what's funny? Looking at this film on the whole, it feels, because of its political leanings as well and, and, and some of the observations it makes, it feels almost late 60s, early 70s Italian. A uh, little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Right? Yeah. Like it, it feels a little bit to me... Like um, uh, Bertolucci, a little bit. Uh, I can't remember who else I was thinking of at the time, but it feels a very, you know, late '60s, early '70s Italian. Um, I think it's um, it's fascinating to see all this unfold too in a country that, by and large, at this time was just off the grid. Yeah. Right, and just to see what's happening, and uh, I found that very interesting. Well, I think it's it, it's all it all kind of uh, a lot of this stuff was happening, you know, especially late seventies, you know, with this uh, the the uh, the oil uh, shortages and all that shit. Oh yeah, uh, and I know that there were some uh, some uh, labor uh, union Strength. issues, yeah, going on down there, uh, down oh, yeah. under, down under. Uh, yeah, and across the Atlantic as well. It was, I mean, yeah. that was the time, right? Late seventies, early eighties was a, a time of uh, yeah. So I mean, this is just this is just taking those things and it's just kind of you know amplifying them a little bit so that we can have something to uh, to hang this guy's uh, moral compass on. Right, right, and uh, you know, funny, just a small aside, but you you get that moment when the prime minister is speaking and. Everyone's huddled around the TV display inside this store, and that's another thing. Much like we talk about with the newsstand, that completely gone the way of the dodo birds. That was used to great effect in a lot of films, right? Yeah. And uh, we won't see that again. Everyone's too busy on their their, their, their smart TVs nowadays, with their phones. Yeah. Um, you'd have to do like a, a montage of sorts to to pull that off. Um, what did I say here? Something about Sam Neill. What a brawler. No, he's not a brawler. What did I even mean by that? I don't know. Anyway, 
Uh, how about this, man? You know, we often pan Americans for doing bad accents, but there's a really bad American accent from a Kiwi actor in this. Yeah. The dude, like, they're trying to pass this dude off that looks like Captain Kangaroo as, as an American soldier. Mm. Uh, weren't they? I mean, that's what I my takeaway was. I couldn't. Uh, I honestly, it went right under my radar. Yeah, there was the guy who was like, um, he was out second in command. And he's he's barking stuff at the guys. And I'm like, well, maybe he's supposed to be a local that's just working hand in hand with him. And no, it's, you know, U.S. Army and kind of bizarre. You look like Captain Kangaroo to boot, which is very distracting. <laughs> uh, which is a bad haircut. I think we've talked about that. That's a bad haircut, man. Yeah. Um, very bad. The Dutch uh, boy. The Dutch, the Dutch boy, yeah. yeah, the weird Dutch boy, Prince Valiant. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck, it's bad. Uh, Neil, okay, so Neil as an actor, I love him. I think he's he's tremendously talented. Yeah, it's weird because he's kind of like Reggie Jackson to use, uh, you know, a Sammy kind of, you know, something that Sammy would appreciate because there's times when he can just knock it out of the park. Other times he, he's just a weird stiff whiff. Like it just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's. Yeah, it's weird, but he in this one, I think one of the things I like most about his turn is because he goes through a few different mental and emotional states in the film, and we see the mental strain uh, from him when he gets arrested and he's imprisoned, and we see that breakdown when he gets out and how he's kind of twitchy and affected, and as the film goes on, I think we we see the mental strain of what he's been thrust into and his situation is just it's constantly evolving and his footing is never really sure every time he adjusts yeah well i think that i think that a large part of the the movie is about this this idea that you know and neil his character certainly learns very quickly that his life is not his own no uh, and that freedom can be tenuous um much like the the sanity that he's you know starts to lose sitting in that dungeon right because i mean Mm -hmm. the the movie is, is basically it's basically set up uh, like a wrong man scenario, Absolutely. Uh, but it's not played out like uh, like someone like a Hitchcock might uh, might play it out. No. Um, so I mean, you have that 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 aspect of it. I think, which I mean, is really kind of uh, I, I hate to say it, but uh, you know, it's kind of prescient, uh, especially uh, with uh, with our situation uh, that we're currently in. But well, I would agree with you, and I, I think that's. As much as you were reluctant to say it because maybe it fell on the nose to you, but I think it's a very accurate statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very accurate statement. Um, uh, just an aside: what did Neil? What Western did Neil do? Western? Can you guys think of a Western he did? I feel like. Uh, don't I can't think of any off the top of my head uh, okay. that he would have been in. Yeah, I mean, I, if it, if it was, it would have been like an Australian or a New Zealand sort of uh, western. Yeah, yeah he, it's, um, it's quite possible he did because the the Aussies and the Kiwis they do like their westerns sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. Uh, but I mean, I, there's nothing that I can. I'll look. I'll thing. look through here and see if anything kind of. No. I would have loved to have seen him one if we hadn't. Cause I, I felt like I'd seen him in something. Well, anyway. I'll put it this way: nothing, nothing that was nothing that was American that I could yeah. think of. Mm. Okay, like not like an American western. One of the big, not big, one of the drawbacks for the film for me in this is Ian Mune or Moon? Mune? Mune? Mune. Mune, Mune. I don't know. His character really didn't work for me. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the performance didn't work. He, he reminded me of, 
a very underhanded, self-righteous Patton Oswalt. He's a cock. But I think that, again, you're getting... This is the, the whole point of the movie, is that, you know, there's the two sides, and both of them are, are you know, not exactly... Not 100%. Um, no. And especially no. when you have when you bring in that, that, that character. Even though, you know, I, I, obviously things are going to go a certain way, um, because they have to. Uh, of course. That... Uh, you know, his character is, is just as, as self-serving, though maybe ideologically more pure, let's call it, for want of a better... Or clear-eyed. Yeah. Ideologically more clear-eyed, uh, yeah. Than the, uh, than the, uh, the other side, the, uh, the, the government side. Mm, right, okay. I thought you meant in comparison to Neil, right? Who's more... Well, Neil wants nothing to do with anything. No, he's just getting pulled along every That's step right. of the way, right? Right. Uh, but, but the Ian Mune performance... I don't want to say the character of them, but the form performance for me, I just found grating. I, I, I didn't yeah. find it yeah. engaging enough to buy into his role uh, in, the th in the grand scheme of things. But um, And I just, you know, some of the domestic stuff that's, that's sprinkled in with him and Neil as sort of um, domestic adversaries in a way. And I don't know. It, uh, to me, that kitchen sinky stuff with them... I don't know. It didn't work overly well, um, or didn't stick for me. Uh, as opposed to it, kind of, you know, the irony of it, right? It, it, the micro versus macro, and unifying it as sort of a macro ideology or something. But mm -hmm. um, uh, I think Donaldson does a really effective job of shooting the violence and just how kind of it's shocking and sudden throughout, and how things really escalate quickly. Uh, like there's that moment in the riot. To take it back to the riot when Mune's character and uh, is it Nevin Rose's character, yeah. Gloria, who I think yeah. is good, and I think she's underserved in the film. I think she she puts in a reasonably solid. Well, she's very plot devicey. She is, and I, I think, think she, she could have given us more. I think she's she's good in the film, but Mune, um, well, she gets hit with a baton, yeah, and and looks it looks just like kind of like a, like you know, a, a, doesn't look like it's overly impactful. But she gets hit, and my wife goes, that's so fake. She's just walking around. The next thing you know, her head's just gushing, basically. And it was, uh, But no, the violence is good in this. It's shocking. It's sudden. It's stark. Um, yeah, no, it's good. And, and just to get back to Neil, one thing Neil does do well is mental breakdown. And I think as the film goes on, his ability to pivot out of things or to adapt uh, reluctantly we see it gets to a point where that breakdown, it just, he, he runs out of gas and um, it's, it's displayed really well on screen. Uh, it's mm -hmm. really good. It's a, it's a nice sight. To see. It's not a nice sight to see. It's, it's done effectively by Neil in his turn. So uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to keep my notes at that. All right, Todd, what you got? Oh boy. Uh, okay. So yeah, like, I mean, at first, um, like I was saying before, the whole point of the movie is, you know, at first it, Neil seems to, the Neil character seems to have found peace, uh, when he, and he goes and, uh, you know, I want to rent your Island. Um, <laughs> but really, and I think what the film is getting at is that he's being more naive and willfully ignorant than anything else. Uh, and that's a large part of this whole thing. You know, this, this getaway thing is that you can't get away. Uh, you have to be involved, uh, in the world or else it's going to, to rip you, rip you up one side and down the other. Um, 
there's a rough and tumbleness uh, that I think Donaldson brings to the film. Yeah. And partly uh, from the way he films the exteriors, uh, they're beautiful, but they're also kind of hard. Uh, yeah. and I think this is, yeah, exactly. And I think that this is something we see constantly, uh, from Australian slash New Zealand filmmakers. Uh, rarely, uh, do we see the urban side of these countries. And I think in a lot of ways, not only do we as audiences not want to, uh, but I think the filmmakers down there likely find these aspects more interesting thematically and visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of one of those, uh, know which side, uh, which side of the bread you're, you know, is buttered on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that aspect to it. So the movie does look really, really nice. Uh, one thing to make note of, Yahoo Sirius does not show up in this movie, uh, no. even though I realize, yes, he was Australian. Uh, Easy. I'm just going to point that out. Easy. He's a national treasure. I know. Uh, <laughs> what does that tell you? Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's ask the question everybody, all of our listeners want to know. Yahoo Sirius or Carrot Top? Yeah, right? <laughs> I'll go, I'll, uh, we want to know. There's the poll for the week. I'll go Yahoo Serious on that one. I go Yahoo Serious on that one. I go Yahoo as well. Yeah. Carrot Top. Listen, is, uh, I like Young Einstein. So, hey, I do too. Man. I've been wanting to rewatch it actually. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know what's happening for episode 500 now. There we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I'm Young Einstein. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Donaldson, uh, he builds the story slowly. You know, he's cutting between Neil and what's happening politically outside of him, uh, which, you know, of course, is the, this political stuff is both nefarious in an almost James Bondian sort of way, uh, as well as being, you know, I, I found it to be totally believable. Uh, but, the, you know, that's also because I'm a cynic and I'm, you know, almost I'm almost 50 years old. Um, so and you know, eventually these things are going to have to collide. Uh, and the film does a nice job skirting the line uh, of its presence because I think that it feels science fiction-y, but it also doesn't. Um, like I said before, you know, I think I know things were tense in New Zealand during this period. I honestly can't say that this film is accurate in that regard. Uh, most likely exaggerated for dramatic effect, but at the same time, um, it's you know it's there enough that uh, it, it you find it very believable that these things could ha- be happening uh, at any given moment. Um, at that point in time. Uh, so uh, one thing to point out is that as the boat was pulling away, I felt really, really bad for the dog. Uh, just yes. for those of you who, who have animals, uh, you might not be able to, to take it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Neil uses what is possibly one of the more GGTMC methods of escaping capture. Uh, he pukes on a cop. So, yeah. Uh, just wanted to make note of that one. Oh yeah, he. That's a good one. He it's very. On him and it it's very violent. Yeah. That was, that was impressive. He didn't miss yeah, right? a beat. I mean, no. it was just. Uh, yeah. No, he didn't good. have to wipe the tears out of his eyes or nothing. No snots. <laughs> Those dirty ass prison fingers down his throat. Oh. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. You wonder where those fingers have been. You know, he didn't oh, have. We, we know where they've been. <laughs> he was not. He was not uh, washing his hands frequently. He was not goat social distancing che- on that one. No, he wasn't. Goat cheese and butthole was the soup du jour. Oh. Goat cheese and mustard. Remember sandwiches. So- something you never, Ugh. never, like, something you like never just- see in prison films is a pair of nail clippers. Just remember that. Uh, dude, I thought it was under the nails as I was. Yeah, I was going there too. Oh. God, you could spread it like Vegemite. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Stop! Oh. <laughs> I need to go get on. Bring up boogers. Yeah, I need to. Oh, go. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Another word. I need. Oh, I need you to, had to go there. Yeah, motherfucker. Mother <laughs> need to. Need to go to my island. 
<laughs> it's your dog now, mate. Uh, so even after he's a wanted man, uh, Neil still wants nothing to do with anything. Like I've been saying, you know, he wants to fade off into the distance. And ironically, uh, I think that's what triggers his change is that, you know, he keeps, he keeps being pulled into stuff because he refuses to act. Uh, he keeps landing and shit largely due to the guy who's banging his wife, the moon character. Uh, but really, you know, that's just a plot device more than anything else, I think. Uh, and that's kind of a, a bit of a problem that I have with the movie in general. Is that it's very plot devicey uh, in order to uh, to make a statement. It is. Um, yeah. Because and here's where I kind of I, this kind of goes into that as well is, you know, uh, this uh, this juxtaposition. It's interesting watching Neil play against uh, Warren Oates mm. uh, because yeah. both of them, I think. Uh, and you guys have already touched on, you know, Neil's uh, chops. I think both of them were always charmers with something dark boiling underneath. I think that Oates's veneer was always thinner. Yeah, uh, and I think that that was that's the interesting thing about seeing these two guys. And you know, their time on screen is not extensive, oh. uh, but it is it is quality. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like I said, there's something dark beneath both of them. I think that Neil was a little bit harder to read because he plays things a bit more interior. Uh, and I think that that's kind of the key is that, I, you know, these two guys, they really do play very, very well because I think they're very, very similar in a lot of different, in a lot, in a lot of different ways, in a lot of ways. Um, so you get this great scene, uh, where Oates wants to party with Neil and, you know, is feeling up, uh, Neil's girl, uh, and it <laughs> yeah. turns into an ideological argument. Yeah. Um, and of course this is helped along in the film by Oates being an American, uh, as well as being aligned with the government that's hurting people that Neil cares about. Uh, and even here, uh, even at this moment in time, uh, the Neil character, you know, he struggles with the choices that he makes. He's never totally sure he's in the right. And he, uh, I think more than any other character, really struggles with the consequences of his actions. Uh, and I think that that's part of the key to the film. Yeah. Um, you know what's interesting about the Oates character? He almost feels like a precursor to the Sergeant Hulka character he would yes. make him. A bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he even, he even <laughs> says at one point. Toe and shove it up your ass. Yeah, he even at one point says, lighten up. You know, <laughs> which he says is the Hulka character, too. He said, lighten up, Francis. Francis, yep. Yeah, no, but it's funny to me. That he's, but he, but I, I tell you what, the difference for me is though, with Oates, there is a, there obviously is a gravitas for him when he pops into a movie because he's Warren Oates, but also his acting and, and this is no fault of Neil's. Neil's very green here. Uh, very new looks great. He does a, he does a very good job hanging with Oates, but Oates is so natural. Uh, even as this kind of drunk, ridiculous army colonel uh that it's kind of unbelievable and you know when you read the stories behind the scenes about this and everything else how he's he basically just kind of did the movie for five grand and a vacation uh you know he still comes into the movie and has this kind of there's this thing about warren oates that is again we talked about it with uh um uh, some other actors that the camera just loves him and he just has this natural ability well, I think really that, I, that's, this is what I'm trying to say is though, is that, I mean, I think that, I think that they're really, these guys, I think Oates and Neil are a lot closer, uh, in their appeal and what they have to offer. than I think, uh, most people really mm. think about, um, because I mean, like I said, I mean, there, there, there's just that, there's that element of, uh, that, you know, there, there's something dark, um, mm. I can't think of I can't think of another way to say it. It's just that it's just that Oates's 
Oates just plays it a lot more surface. He plays it a lot more cards on the table. Sure. Well, he, uh, he also, yeah, he comes across. But you could always, you could always tell, you could always tell in these two actors that there's something that if they, when they pop off, it's going to be a bad scene. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good. But it was just that you know Oates would do it with a little bit more of a smile, where Neil would kind of just kind of maybe you know grin a little bit and try to blow it off until you know he couldn't anymore. And I think that that's you know, but I, I think that they both have that thing that 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 like um, uh, Incredible Hulk kind of thing sitting there inside them that's just waiting to fucking explode. The difference is, I think Oates presents it in more salt of the earth, meat and potatoes. Yes, seemingly. Yeah. Yes. Whereas Neil comes across, and I don't think by his own fault, but almost as more of like a an intellectual or a more yeah. white collar. Whereas Oates yeah. presents it in a more blue collar way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's very, very good, uh, very good way to put uh, it. Blue yeah. collar, white collar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Oates is his his uh, moments when have always seemed kind of gleeful. Whereas Sam Neil would probably, you know, when he has those Hulk moments, it always seems a little bit more painful. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Oates. Uh, is all, I, I agree with you because one of the things I love about Oates is that he can go from smiling, kind of Cheshire cat, kind of happy-go-lucky, and the next minute he can drop that smile, and you know you're in deep shit, Arkansas. I mean, you just oh, yeah. know that, yeah, because he's gonna he's he's getting ready to, to rail on you, and he mm-hmm. he really had that ability, uh, maybe maybe more than any actor I can think of, really to kind of turn it on and off. He certainly is in the top three if he isn't. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So I think that, uh, you know, more than anything else, the movie's about violence, whether it's right or wrong, quote, in quotes, uh, you know, whether it's for right or wrong reasons, um, it doesn't matter as much as the outcome of it. You know, so I yeah. think that I think that the film largely uh, is more allegorical than it is political or, you know, even like polemical. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's uh, intentional or not that the uh, the revolutionaries in this thing are traveling in a truck full of sheep. <laughs> yeah, of um, <laughs> that was uh, yeah, yeah interesting and and rather on the nose uh, if that yeah. uh, if that was intention intentional. Um, <laughs> there is some very nice automotive carnage uh, as we would expect from Down Under. Uh, I think that, and I'm going to put this out there. I think that awning posts are the New Zealand slash Australian equivalent of the rest of the world's fruit stands. There we go. Yes. There we go. Because <laughs> um, man, they all everybody down there when you have that nice little country town, you know one uh one horse town kind of yeah uh deal there they all have those uh those awnings with the posts and man they love to the smash through them they do um well that's how that's how you got to get down under you got to get down under exactly those, that's where that comes from those awning posts. I, and speaking of i'm <laughs> surprised that we didn't uh we didn't play some men without hats oh, uh, man. so. well you know speaking of <laughs> talk about on the nose oh, man uh or minute work even yeah Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Anyway, uh, would you say men without hats? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a boys to men. Fuck. Listen, it's early. It's very uh, early. So anyway, uh, I think that uh, you know we I, we we tend to get two types of films from from that neck of the woods. Uh, we tend tend to get a tend to get either. Uh, insane genre movies or art films, uh, and this is a bit of both. I think uh, it, I think it's handled quite nicely. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it, you know this film reminds me of. I mean, and and of course Sam Neill's gone on to work with him quite a bit. But uh, Taika Watiti, uh, well, the Peter Weir films and the Watiti films, oh, yeah. you can I see that kind of Kiwi influence. Oh, yeah, uh, this yeah. this New Zealand film world is very interesting. You know, you, the Peter Jacksons, the Watitis, mm-hmm, the, all mm-hmm. that. 
there's there's really weird kind of insular film world that comes out of New Zealand that really mm. is kind of like Australia, even though even though I think Australia is slightly different because it's a little bit more broad, a little bit more wide open, yeah. uh, and a bit more Western, quote unquote, in some uh, ways. But the, you know these New Zealand filmmakers, they all kind of have this this general feel, and they feel they feel very inspired by each other, mm-hmm. and it really kind of shine. It really kind of comes through quite a bit. I think about. Uh, because Neil, he were, he did a Watiti film that I really wanted to see and I didn't get to see, The Hunt for the Wilder People or whatever. Oh, it's a it's good, good one. It's yeah. good, yeah. He it's was charming. in that and he's in Thor Ragnarok and he works with Watiti yep. quite a bit and I think Watiti's a big fan of his. And, um, you know, I, I like that world, that New Zealand film world. I mean, a lot of it's kind of roped into Lord of the Rings at this point, but there's a lot of good stuff that came out of New Zealand. You know, uh, I think Romper Stomper was really cool. Um uh, this this film is a new one for me, so but I would put it up there in that kind of upper echelon of New Zealand releases. The thing about this movie, and I think Todd's kind of getting to this point, and I'm sorry if I'm chiming in on it. It feels it certainly feels like a first film. Mm-hmm. It, it feels mm-hmm. like a filmmaker kind of finding his voice. Is, is, is yeah. that, does that make sense? I mean, it, it yeah, does. No, it does because it, 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 it kind of it, it shifts a lot right yeah. It, it's yeah. not as cohesive i think as some of his later work i think it it's assured more assured than some uh sure. yeah. debut no, films, it's just it's just got a, it's just got a lot of rough edges yeah, yeah it, a lot. but, but the thing is the thing here is that right yeah but the thing is that i mean that's also something that we kind of expect from that neck of the woods yeah again well, certainly yeah is that we expect rough edges we expect a little so you know i kind of think that we we will tend to um give it a pass a bit on those aspects of it mm-hmm. because we kind of expect that, that sort of, uh, that rough and tumbleness, uh, that, uh, you know, jagged edge kind of, kind of deal every now and again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I, I mean, this, this, this does a good job, uh, managing to fit, I think an emotional story onto a large canvas. Yeah. Uh, I think it does it with a fair amount of efficiency and it's got some decent production value. Uh, you know, we get some helicopters showing up there, um, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's got some uh, some nice action scenes, um, and overall, I mean, it's it's pretty good. So yeah, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with it. So that's, yeah, I mean, uh, that's all that I got for notes, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my biggest problem with it was honestly that it 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 is two different kind. Of, I, so I like the more survivalist man getting away from the world aspects of the movie than I right. like the what feels like to me, even though I don't think it was the intention. It feels kind of, I don't know, just kind of pried in like a shoehorn in a way. This political aspect of the movie, I never, yep. I never really got involved with the political aspect in this story. I can relate yeah. to it. I mean, I certainly well, the, can the, relate the, to the aspect. The actual, of it. the actual politics of the movie are very general. They're yes. very, yeah. they're very uh, obvious. They're very. I mean, like I said, they feel like cartoony in, in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that you know, I, I think that that's just kind of. He's just kind of given us a, a way to have this backdrop for the the character, the Neil character, to uh, to you know to get sucked into this uh, this machine that's going to kind of eat him up. Right, right, because and- I think that that's that's ultimately. Well, I think it's not as much about the politics, although the film obviously leans left. Obviously, yeah. Um, I think that the movie is not really about those politics per se. Uh, as it is about you know this this idea that you know you can't not choose a side. Mm-hmm. 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 So and I, and I I think I wanted more 
And again, it's no fault of the filmmakers. I mean, I think they're trying to do something here. I think Donaldson was trying to do something. I've never read the novel, so I'm sure the novel yeah. probably gets more into the politics of it. Most likely, um, yeah. But it, it it felt like it was going to be one kind of movie about this guy being a bit of a survivalist on an island, and that's and that's kind of dropped pretty quickly. And yeah, I guess, but yeah, I guess, yeah. but I guess in a way, he's still New Zealand's an island. So I guess in a way, he's still a survivalist on an island, just a bigger island, the mm-hmm. island he tried to get away from. And I think you know, part of part of the things I had problems with is is everything like you guys said and Todd said and Will said too. A lot of the plot devices seem. <sighs> first-time filmmaker they seem kind of convenient for the story to 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 move forward yeah it's a it's a it's a to the detriment of the film feeling as propulsive or as feverish as it should and it doesn't say it needs to um escalate to some major set piece but we want to work towards something as opposed to kind of you're getting into a rhythm on one end and then it shifts gears or toggles into something else completely again right right but I mean, I think the movie is still a very solid kind of uh, entrance for Roger Donaldson and for Sam. Oh Hill, yeah. Who do you know? I don't know if this is his very first thing, but it's close to his very first thing. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a really good performance from him. Um, it's not as kind of Sam Neely as some of his performances that I think maybe that I criticize a bit more because they feel a bit stiff. But man, I mean, the guy is a striking—he's a striking-looking guy. I mean, he's—he's he's aged like fine wine too. The, mm-hmm. Oh the yeah, he has. I mean, he's—he really has. I mean, he's—he's he's a, a good-looking man, and uh, he just—I don't know—the camera really likes him. And I, I got to be honest, you know, I'm not—I'm not the hugest Jurassic Park fan, but he's coming back for the Jurassic Park Park Fark. Jurassic Fark films. Uh, Fark films. Yeah. Fark is a funny word to say. Uh, <laughs> Especially if you're Jocko Maroney. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's coming back for the next uh, Jurassic Park. And, and I got to be honest, uh, I'm interested because yeah. I like Dr. Alan Grant. I like I like so his Jurassic I. Park character. You know, I, I liked his love of the dinosaurs and his uh, lack of love for people, really. It, uh, I think Sam Neill does that very well. And actually, you can kind of see it here. A little bit, right? You can kind of see that you know he he wants to be away from the world, but he he just can't get away, no matter how hard he tries. And mm-hmm. uh, I found that interesting. But uh, no, I thought the film was pretty good overall. And again, you know, I mean, I'm not saying Arrow discovered this or anything, but bravo to them to putting this back out. I think it was out on DVD originally. And you know, this is the kind of thing that you know I I just don't think a lot of labels would put out on Blu-ray. Uh, no. I'm not saying that there aren't a lot of good labels out there putting out some really crazy stuff on Blu-ray. We've done some massage parlor murders and and some other crazy stuff that like Vinegar Syndrome puts out. <laughs> put in, they put out some crazy stuff on Blu-ray. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, I gotta say, you know, I know we we've, we've we've been pushed by Arrow, we've pushed Arrow quite a bit. But I mean, if you look at their catalog, it's a it's a diverse and impressive catalog of movies uh, that they've put out on home video and and. Uh, they continue to do so, you know. I just got a demo disc for Elvira recently. Uh, oh wow! I wouldn't mind covering that at some point. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's other things too. I mean, you know, I just I, I find it interesting the way they kind of they pick and choose these these uh, selections, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, I'm glad I I'm glad I saw this movie. I I just kind of came across it. It was on my to watch pile, and it's got a very striking cover anyway. And I just thought, well, you know, this would be a good one to pick. You know, we this is kind of out of left field. But it looks very GGTMC in a way, and it is. I think it's a little overly serious with the politics a little bit, maybe for uh, our film 
watching crew, but uh, at the same time, I think it's breezy enough that I don't think you'll pay much attention to that. I think it's there, but I don't feel like it hits you over the head. Uh, yeah, no, I would agree with that. Yeah, and it is fun. I got to say, you know, the best scene in the movie to me is is that I love that scene where Oates shows up with the the bad uh, Cosair hats and and uh, the drinking and the music and the ass grabbing and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's a great scene. It's a great scene, and it kind of encapsulates the movie in a lot of ways. There's just kind of mm-hmm. boiling. Uh, hatred and anger underneath uh, Neil's character, and it's never really—I don't think it's ever really explained why he. I guess I guess she cheated on him or something while their marriage dissolved. But it's it's always heartbreaking as a parent for me to see you know bye dad, you know to see the parent uh, the dad the little boy say you know bye dad to him you know he's just at first you're thinking he's going to work or something and then you realize well his marriage is just dissolved. And I, oh yeah. <laughs> I both, well, he kind of he has that he has that confrontation with the Mooney character, yeah, Mune, yeah, character, yeah. Um, you know, as soon as he walks out the door, yeah, he's gonna make sure he gets out of there, no doubt about it. And we mm-hmm. get that uh, that small moment of car carnage, just backing into another car, and like, oh no, wait, what you done? You know, <laughs> but no, instead of VI interceptors, the interceptors. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh man! Anyway, the <laughs> it'll surprise uh, you. I'd love, I'd, I'd love for there to be like an Expendables movie with just some of my favorite New Zealand and Australian actors. You know, Sam Neill, oh, wow. Guy Pierce. You know, all those guys kind of all doing just a tough guy movie would be great. I mean, it would be. I'm sure there is versions of that sort of, but nothing. You know, nothing that kind of. I don't know. Kind of dedicates itself to the history of Australian film. These kind of tough guys that came out of Australia. Is Jocko still alive? Uh, Jocko or Yahoo? Who? You know the the battery commercials, man. The battery commercial guy. Uh, I don't know. Jocko, yeah, honestly, who, who was that guy? Jocko. Oh, yeah, from the battery commercials, man. You'd know him to see him. Yeah, no, I know, I know who you're talking about. I just fucking intense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mark jo- Jacko Jackson. Jacko Jackson. Yeah, he was an Australian football player, born 1959. Uh, he is still with us, as far as I'm aware. Oh, yeah, age go. 60 years old. Oh, he's got to make a cameo in that. He weighs Australian. 94 kilograms. <laughs> I yeah. bet. I bet he's a rough looking 60 compared to. Oh yeah. <laughs> I bet he sure is. <laughs> There's some hard living out back, you know, man. There's some, uh, some yeah. hard living. He had out a there, singing man. career. Oh man. Good lord. <laughs> but no, I am uh, happy. Boy. To- <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Was he in? Was White he, pants. Was he in? It's, it's, uh, it's a, a 1985 title uh, of a single, I'm an Individual. And <laughs> wow. another one, oh, you're going to like this one, Me Brain Hurts. <laughs> Me Brain Hurts. Yeah. Me was Brain he, Hurts. Was he, uh, was he in that band, Men Without Work? <laughs> Men with Safety Dances. Yeah, Men with Safety Dances. <laughs> Men with, yeah. <laughs> Who can it be now? Anyway, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm I'm glad we uh, reviewed this one because I think this is an under the radar type of film, right? Yeah. I mean, I I think a lot of people wouldn't even know this is in Warren Oates' uh, resume and his uh, filmography. I mean, uh, I got to be honest with you, I kind of overlooked it for years. So uh, uh, yeah, I had no idea. So there you go. Uh, let's get an MVTs make or breaks. What you got, Will? 
Make or break is going to be the scene when we see him in the uh, when he first. This is a very small scene, very subtle, but when he first gets out of prison, and he's just he seems his breakdown is really like it. It goes from being sort of a conventional, my family's left me. Okay, I've adapted. I'm good. To now things are completely flipped upside down. He has no idea why he's been imprisoned, and now he's. Um, on the outside, he just feels very twitchy, and I don't know, just just doing using those Sam Neil eyes to great effect before he just blows chunks on the dude. Hot bile on the suit, ooh, uh, and then jumps out of the vehicle, moving no less on the concrete. Very painful. What do you think? Uh, but no, what do you think's hotter on skin, vomit or semen? Uh, I'm gonna go with vomit. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. I think vomit's I'm got gonna... more acid. Well, that's kind of yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say vomit. Now, what yeah. about vomited up semen? Ooh, that's oh, a tough one. That's a whole other level. And yeah, puking up milk and having the curds in yeah. there, maybe? Oh. Yeah, oh. I don't know. Amazing. Oh. I don't know. I need to research this yeah. one. Hmm. I, don't I don't think I... Oof. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the... The field, that field test. Two, uh, two, <laughs> two, words, two words I can promise you don't go well together. Semen curds. No. That is uh, yikes. Curdled semen is probably there's something you should have looked at. Oh man, you I definitely would should. Yeah, <laughs> that that clam chowder. Oh, uh huh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. man chowder. It's probably what Gary. Probably what Gary Busey's looks like. Yeah, right. <laughs> fucking his his uh, cottage cheese and mustard sandwiches. Woo! <laughs> oh man, that would be gross. That's an understatement. That's oh. uh, gruesome. That is G for gruesome. That's R for repulsive. Mm-hmm. Um, Got me a ball. But yeah, Neil, Neil's good. He acts with his eyes. Uh, it melts in his mouth, not in his hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Especially after what we've been talking about. Yeah. He's my MVT. I think for for me, as much as it's a very interesting film, there's a lot going on without Neil uh, as your cornerstone um, because he's asked to kind of shift gears mentally and emotionally at several points in the film. Um, he's emasculated. He's, he's just his rugs pulled up from under him. He just he's fantastic. Uh, my score for this one is a six point seven five out of ten. Nice, nice, sweet. Um, make or break. I'm going to go with the the night motel scene. Uh, it brings into focus all that the film's dealing with and forces uh, the Neil character to make the the most important decision he's going to make in the film. Yeah. Uh, plus, it's a really nice action scene. I think. Yep. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with Donaldson. I think that he wrings all he can out of his resources and he keeps the film trucking along and pretty well balanced. Uh, score for me, I'm slightly higher than Will. I'm 7 out of 10. Uh, yeah, this one's a, a good one. Uh, nice little uh, unexpected pleasure. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, MVT, I'll go Donaldson as well. I think he kind of ropes this all together. I agree with you on that. Because uh, he's got to kind of keep it all together. Because it's... Uh, it also suffers, like, say, from, you know, early filmmaker blues in a lot of ways, and that it seems like the ideas are bigger than what he can kind of pull off. But he, he does a pretty good job, ultimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my make or break is also, um, uh, well, I don't know if it's also, I don't know if one of you guys said this or not. I may have been making uh, Men Without Work had jokes and uh, talking about <laughs> curdled uh, fluids, but, uh, and actually laughing and then uh, trying to wipe my eyes out from the amount of crying I was doing with the volume turned down. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, but I, I'll go with the I, I like the scene with the Cozair hats and the uh, 
Those, uh, what are those hats called? Are they called a Cozair hat or are they called a, they're called something. I don't know what they're called. I honestly don't know. I don't know either. Jesus. Anyway, uh, Doctor Who fans would probably know, but I don't know. Um, I'm obviously not a big enough Doctor Who fan. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but I like that scene. I like that Oates comes in. He, he very much brings the booze. He brings the country music. You know, he brings the ass grabbing. Uh, and also, I think uh, that actress, she's low-key GGTMC hot. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I didn't know if you guys thought the same as I did or not. I didn't want to bring it up. But, I mean, yeah, man, those uh, those scenes are good. And uh, I ended up watching the documentary on the making of this, the kind of more recent one. It's on, it's on the disc. And uh, uh, come to find out that uh, Sam Neill's nipples are incredibly uh, ticklish. So uh, there's something nice. about Sam Neill you didn't know until today. Yeah, he asked her not to touch his nipples. It's one to grow. <laughs> uh, my score is right in the same ballpark as you guys. Uh, uh, Six point nine two is that? No, it's, uh, nice. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> split that hair, boy. <laughs> we're taking it to a whole other level here. The GGTMC. No, it's a seven out of ten. I, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I think it's uh, again, it suffers from some uh, some amateurism, but in that kind of best way that uh, amateur you know filmmaking can be. And that you could see some promise in uh, all everybody, everyone involves careers. Uh, like Will said, I mean, everybody behind the scenes, you can kind of feel like everybody was kind of destined for bigger things. And uh, a lot of people did. Obviously, uh, Oates carried Gravitas with him when he came on board. I know that Donaldson wanted Jack Nicholson, but he couldn't get Nicholson, so he got Oates. Um, I don't know if there's one better than the other, but either one would have been fine with me. And uh, I'm glad he got Oates in there, though, because I think Oates and Neil together are pretty good. Uh, they work a lot better than you would think with those two uh, being on screen together. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it works. I mean, it, it's a it's a solid little movie. Um, all right, that's Sleeping Dogs. We're gonna take a short break and then we're gonna come back and talk about Straight Time. We will be back as soon as I click on the right application, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Cause your friends don't dance And if they don't dance Well, they're no friends of mine See, we can go where we want to Things so they will never find And we can act like we come from out of this world Leave the real one far behind Don't We can go where we want to Night is young and so am I and we can dress real neat from our hearts to our feet and surprise them with a victory cry. Say, we can act if we want to, if we don't, nobody will. And you can act real rude and totally removed, and I can act like an imbecile. Say, we can dance, we can dance, everything's out of control. All right. We hope oh, everyone. I love men at work. <laughs> That's right. Just for Totter there. Everybody, please wash your hands. Uh, I'm trying to keep. It, I'm trying to keep it current. <laughs> Very topical. Way That's to go. Right. Like a topical solution. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, stay. might as well be <laughs> for that curdled semen. Oh, oh man! <laughs> In the immortal words of uh, many a person, yuck. There we go. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. Uh, okay, our next film is Straight Time. I can't think of a more appropriate song to open. <laughs> open our review of this. 
You can act like an imbecile and say, anyway, uh, after being released on parole, a career burglar assaults his former probation officer, returns to a life of crime, and goes on the run. Uh, that's that's pretty much the movie. The um, um, This one, uh, Straight Down 1978, directed by Ulo Grossbard, but uh, there is, uh, I've... You know, I've heard stories and I've read things that Dustin Hoffman was involved a little bit in some of the direction here. I don't, believe, yeah. yeah, I don't know if uh, Grossbart and him didn't get along. I didn't read far, far enough into it or anything, but uh, they were good friends. Uh, so maybe they just worked together. Interference. Uh, they're no longer good friends, or they weren't after the film was completed. So there we go. Uh, and I think this is like a, uh, what it, I think this feels like is a passion project for Hoffman. Yeah, and, I think he got the he got the book. Uh, Read it, was blown away by it. Met with the the gentleman who wrote the book, who was a career criminal. Um, Eddie also, Bunker. yeah, Eddie Bunker, who I think coincidentally was also an inspiration for the De Niro character in Heat. Yeah, um, he was in yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir and... Dogs. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. And he uh, didn't he write that? Uh, then that film Animal Factory isn't that based on an Eddie Bunker thing? Uh, that I don't know. I think it is. I think it, that that film is. Uh, I can't remember who directed it. Did Willem Dafoe direct that? I think he may have. Uh, he was involved. Him and Furlong, right? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. it might be. I might be a bunker joint. Um, <laughs> a bunker joint. <laughs> yeah. I got to get that bunker joint. Um, yeah. But this uh, little underseen. I, well, not a little underseen. I think this one's massively underseen in 70s cinema. And for whatever reason, doesn't really get talked about much. Uh, uh, but uh, Because it's not flashy. It's certainly not kind of like why Scarecrow doesn't get talked about. Yeah, yeah, Scarecrow's yeah, a good right. example. Yeah, Scarecrow's, Scarecrow's a good one, man. It's another good example of a film that doesn't get talked about from the seventies. Yeah, it's funny we we celebrate that decade so much, but there's so many fantastic character pieces from the actors that are most beloved from that decade, and yet, yep, this one just falls right under the radar. Yep, as does that. Um, you get to see a lot of Hoffman in this one, and that's no joke. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get to see the little Hoffman. Uh, <laughs> is Dusty Dusty Hoffman? You get to see Dusty Hoffman. Dusty, yeah. uh, Todd, I don't know if you want to lead on this. You want me to? Uh, uh, I could blow through my notes if you want. Uh, Todd, I love it when cool. you blow. You can so, blow uh, if you want to. Don't get me started on the curds and way. You can blow if you want to. You can put your thumb in my behind. Uh, <laughs> we can curd and way. Uh, so, uh, opening is brilliant. Uh, first, because it gives us a, lo- a nice little uh, reality slash documentary style shots of people waiting outside the gates. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Second, because it perfectly sets up Hoffman. So here's a guy who isn't happy to be getting out of the joint, um, and he has no one waiting for him anyway. Um, the music over the credits feels like it kind of belongs in a comedy uh, mm, of the time. It does. Uh, which I, I found it kind of be. And it keeps coming back up uh, over and over again. Uh, it, it really doesn't quite fit, I don't think. Um, but that's just, you know, kind of a, a minor quibble. Uh, Walsh, of course, is a standout, not only because he starts off all business and he even seems kind of reasonable, uh, but we quickly understand that he's a complete and utter dirtbag. Oh, my God. Um, he is he such that, uh, a, he's a, uh, he is a cunt, not a cunt hair. Oh, Big time. Uh, he says that Max has a serious attitude problem. So, you know, the, the Walsh character is obviously on a power trip. And naturally, uh, everybody who watched this movie always wants to comment on his uh, his scene there on the highway. Um, oh. As a matter of fact, because that's like the only thing. And it's one of those things that I think does a disservice uh, yeah. to the yeah, film yeah. On, on the whole. Um, because, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's got certain elements of it that, uh, that would um, 
uh, lend themselves to being talked about. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a weird like a scene. Kind of way. It's a weird scene because it feels like it belongs in a Burt Reynolds movie of the time. <laughs> well, it does a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. You know what though? We can look at it deeper and look at some of the the meaning behind it. Because listen, if you're if you're an M. Emmett Walsh bare-assed completist, I am. Then well. <laughs> this is certainly fun for you. But I think you look at I'm starting the Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what we see from Walsh is he emasculates yeah. Hoffman, and now Hoffman's going right. to emasculate him in yeah. a big way, in a very public right. way. It's a dig- right, right, it's a right. dignity thing. It's what it is. Right. No, 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 no. I'm not. Thing. I'm not saying. I'm not saying yeah. the film. I'm not saying that the scene isn't important but, to the movie because it's but extremely people, important. I, no, no. I know you get people it. People point it out for the wrong reason. No, no. I know right. you get it, baby. Right. But right. but yeah, people do tend to just because of the. Right, well, because it's, there's, it's, a certain, there's a certain Walshian, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a certain yeah. Walshianness. Yeah. Uh, so you know what, Hoffman, you never thought uh, you knew you needed. You put it this saw. way: you know what the M stands for in M. Emmett Walsh? No. Yeah. <laughs> muscle. <laughs> <laughs> Love muscle. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, Hoffman. I'll, never, I'll leave that up to everybody to figure it out. <laughs> curds. Uh, so Hoffman doesn't quite cut it as like a hardened criminal. Uh, but that's also not really the character, I don't think. No. I think he brings his usual uh, level of humanity to it. He's someone who's been jerked around, who's desperate for a second chance, but he's never going to get it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the film kind of just sits there and watches as his hope slips away with the realization that his roads are cut off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do get a very young Teresa Russell uh, playing the innocent sort of, re- uh, sort of um, seduced by the idea of dating a convict. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Man. she does play a, a pretty important uh, role, and I think especially once you get to the end of the film. I love her so, so course, much. I love her so much. So, oh, God, yeah. Uh, and, of course, you do get to, to stare at her uh, her bare boobies. Oh, she uh, is just, quite an extensive... She is uh, one of those... Act- yeah, though she is one of those actresses to me that just personifies sexuality. Yeah, yeah, she's always she, been able to, yeah. She has this elusive sexuality. You can't, like, she's not what you would call the most... I mean, she's not unattractive, but she's no, not... No conventionally stunning or sexual, but there's just something about her that is so very sexual. I know. Yeah. Oh, and sexy. yeah, yeah. It's never, it's never been. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of under wraps. Yeah. Yeah. Sort yeah. Of. yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so then of course, to go along with the, the running theme that we have going with the show, Busey shows up, uh, Carrie, <laughs> that, that is G-G-T-M-G, along with Jake. Jake also shows up by the way. Yeah. Little Jake. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Jake, or I'm sorry, Gary, ha, 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 who, uh, who is quickly becoming a bit of a featured player on the show. Uh, <laughs> he's with, uh, he's what Max wants, uh, you know, a job, a wife, a kid. Uh, and, you know, Max being the albatross that he is, he's going to and does uh, drag him down, though Busey, you know, has his own hangups yeah. that Max overlooks in spite of what he should do. Yeah. Uh, which we get that, like, I think the second scene that they're together when they go back to uh, to Max's uh, flop house. Yeah. Uh, you do also get Kathy Bates, a very young Kathy Bates, giving yeah. a nice performance yeah, al- as the almost, wife who tries to warn um, Max off. Almost unrecognizable, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very short hair, uh, thin, very, very young. Yeah. Um, she's great. She's great. It's a little moment. It's oh, a yeah, little moment yeah. with her and De Hoffman. But it's essential. But it's a, yeah, it's, it's a great scene. It's absolutely essential. And it yeah. gives us some nuance and, and fleshes out the other side of things, right? Sorry, I was taking a sip of coffee. Okay, so. Sip of curd. <laughs> sip of curd. Ooh. Uh, for a lot of folks, uh, films like this were their first real view into the actuality of jail. We get the you know the full prison indoctrination thing. Yeah. Uh, and what it could do to a person in their head and as the stigma that follows you afterwards. Uh, I think that this idea that you could be institutionalized, uh, whether you like it or not, is uh, 
is kind of a, a big point of the film, uh, and especially again once we get to the uh, the very last uh, scene of the movie. Uh, it's such a telling moment when uh, Max is cuffed to the bed and the, uh, the little girl is staring at him from out in the hall. Uh, I love that. Mm. Uh, right. Yeah, what does he say? He says uh, we're playing a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's the the uh, change in demeanor. Uh, from when he's talking to Russell on their date to when she visits him yeah. uh, in prison, yeah. it's something. You know, he really doesn't want to see. He doesn't want her to see him like this, uh, just like the little girl in the uh, the hallway. He's instantly back in the mindset uh, that prison mentality that uh, emotions are a weakness, and he knows he's. It's at this point, obviously, that he knows he's not allowed to go straight. Right. Uh, as the uh, you know the title of the film. Um, Sorry, I just want to piggyback on what you said there. I think the great thing about that scene is that Hoffman early on in the scene is very obviously guarded emotionally and, and almost defensive and he's, he's got his sort of survival instincts on. Yes. Yeah. But by the end of the scene, only through his eyes, yep. not through any words, he's disarmed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Emotionally, and that's a, it, it, it's the, that economy of moment that it really makes it beautiful and underplayed. Well, it's, one of those, it's one of those things, hope springs eternal. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's what the, the movie keeps stepping on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the way through it, and Russell's really good there too because you can tell she's she she's kind of lost. She doesn't really. She's trying to do. She thinks she's doing a good thing. Well, she's a fish out of water. Too. Yeah, and then oh, she yeah. realizes she might not be doing a great thing. But she, way out of her depth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As as, as she would be because she's young and impressionable, and yeah. uh, she's yeah. gotten in over her head. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, that's I mean, yeah. After the highway scene, right? Uh, the clock starts ticking for Max. You know, mm-hmm. as he goes back to life. But the one thing that he clings to is that possibility. Uh, of a relationship with the uh, with the Russell character, yeah. you know, he asks her, you know, straight up, how far are you go- how far do you want to take this? And she, you know, being young and invincible, uh, thinks that she can handle it. And obviously, the film is going to you know play that out. Uh, Hoffman does hold up the grocery store of one of the three storms uh, from Big Trouble in Little China. Dude, yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah he that. does. Peter Kwok. Um, yeah, Peter Kwok. Um, a pre-power Peter Kwok. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We don't like to talk about it. This was not his origin story. No. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Bunker does show up very briefly, uh, but the second half, you know, we also get Harry Dean Stanton uh, showing up and favoring, favoring us with a, a song on the guitar. It's great. And a, uh, a, a, nice. a brawnier Harry Dean Stanton than we're used to seeing. And, and, yeah, and I say that yeah. only in, in the Harry Dean Stanton scale of skeletal or 140 pounds. <laughs> yes. His character's yeah. great, too. I think one of my favorite things about this movie is the way it handles convicts and how they try to come oh, yeah. back out into the world. And the world gives them opportunity. Their idea of normal, their idea of normal is completely skewed. Yeah, but it's yep. kind of, it's kind of like coming out of the military. Your idea yeah. of the world is totally different. It's it's yeah. changed you whether you like it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't. Yeah. You can't. And it's, it's hard. Some can adapt. Some can make it. I'm not going to say everybody's like this, but some uh, they become desperate. And it, it's funny because the Stanton and Busey character they they seem to have done okay, mm-hmm. yet they <laughs> still yeah yet they still want. You know, uh, yeah. that great moment when Stanton says, get me out of here. Well, they're, they're addicts, right? In a yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And all it takes is one slip up. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they well, see the Max character as a, a savior in some weird way for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... So as, as movies of this time tended to do, uh, this does paint a, a realistic picture of the criminal life. There's anxiety during jobs and during the planning. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's a certain way that things are done, like when Stanton is, you know, bitching about uh, something being very unprofessional, uh, which I would wager 
uh, is part of where Quentin Tarantino got his ethos for his criminals in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Well, uh, so there's a second reference uh, besides Eddie Bunker showing up. Absolutely. In but speaking of L.A. filmmakers, I'm convinced of this. And now maybe this is my memory not serving me well, which it certainly is known to not serve me well. That scene when uh, Hoffman and uh, Stanton are at his little poolside table looks identical, identical to me in my mind's eye of Jack Horner's place in Boogie Nights. Yeah, no coincidence. Uh, in the yeah, Jack Horner's was uh, was bigger. But uh, it, but but it but it has that southern it has that southern layout. California. Has, yeah, but it has yeah yeah it has that the southern LA. Yeah, uh, no doubt, yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt. I get where I get where you're coming from. I had that same moment. I had that same thought. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, naturally, you know, criminals being, uh, you know, an, an, an untrustworthy lot, uh, it forces Hoffman to do things that he doesn't necessarily want to do. Uh, he keeps setting up these rules, but he can't obey them because life isn't go- governed by rules that way. Uh, and he just can't help himself. Uh, he, he can't help himself anyway. And that's the kind of the sum total of the film, I think. Um, there's a fantastic scene with Busey towards the end that illustrates the idea of loyalty and this perverse take on honor among thieves. Yeah. Um, and yet at the very end, uh, Max does the right thing. Uh, and I think it's a nicely realized moment of self-realization. And this is reinforced by a, a nice couple of, uh, of dissolves, uh, that we get as the, as the car is driving away, yeah. uh, which I won't say what they are cause I would like people to watch the movie. Yeah. Um, and, but I think that it's very, very, very telling, yeah. um, of the, uh, you know, the mindset of what this film has been going after the whole time. It kind of is a, a really, really nice punctuation at the end of the sentence. Uh, I think that this is really a beautifully made uh, film. It has a great cast. It's got a tight script. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like we've been saying, I think it's one that, um, that really should be in the conversation more than it is. Uh, maybe it's just too quiet. I don't know. Um, I don't but, know either. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it to anybody who's a fan of, uh, of movies in general. So. I, I have Dare I? Uh, go ahead, Will. Go ahead. No, no, no. Southern Gentleman first. I have to believe it, it's the availability of the movie. I think if the movie yeah. was more available, I think it would be talked about more. Honestly, I really do. Maybe. Maybe. Or, or may, but, I mean, because the acting in this movie is, is top-notch across the board. I, I can't think it of one so cool. performance. I, I find it interesting that, you know, in a, in a time when you can you can stream and or torrent just about anything out there, uh, to, to say availability kind of gets a little sure, shaky. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess it does. Point. I guess it does. It, it's a it's a valid point, but I don't know. There's something about it that it's just kind of. Uh, I mean, both of our films this week they've kind of lived under the radar. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it's but weird. Oddly, the New Zealand one gets the Blu-ray release. <laughs> <laughs> well, it had been without hats. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's men, men without work. Um, men without- but the uh, <laughs> that's our band. That's our band. Yeah, right. <laughs> we dance in Renaissance fair outfits and uh, yeah, we do sing songs. And then those cor- those corsair hats, thereby. Try corners. Oh man, yeah. uh, I got a few things I'll add. Uh, I've always I have always liked the way this opens, and I do like the way it handles prison. It doesn't it doesn't do the it doesn't get into kind of the dangers of prison in the way that you're kind of used to with prison movies where you actually see some of the violence. It just kind of, it's always kind of there. Mm-hmm. You know that it's, it's a dangerous world and you know that it's scarred the Max Denbo character uh, in some way. Now, I, I, one of the things I did like about this movie on a revisit, and I still liked it the, when I originally watched it, was you do get the sense that Max wants to do right. Like he comes yeah. out, he walks around, he gets a hot dog, he makes the phone call. He does everything right, but the system in this case, yep. M. Emmett Walsh 
is against him from the get-go because Walsh's character, through no fault of his own, has probably dealt with a bunch of guys that he's had to put back in the pen. And yep. he Walsh even says several times in the movie, he's like, well, you know, don't get mad at me. It's my job, you know. I mean, it, you know, it, he he says stuff like that. Now, that's not to say he's not a he's not a righteous or a, a cunt. Motherfucker. I mean, yeah, he is. He's a he's a scumbag in a lot of ways because he doesn't give this character a chance. And we're kind of, you know, we kind of know from being the audience that he was trying to do right, but mm-hmm. it sets him on a path, and that path is an extreme, I think, reaction. But I think it works because I think this this Max Dimbo character, this Dustin Hoffman performance, I don't think he was – I think he was always this ticking time bomb, and he's always going to be that ticking time bomb. And it's interesting, the choices that are made throughout the story, uh, especially at the end there. Um, it's very interesting to me uh, that that's the way the, the story kind of ends. Uh, that, 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 that might be part of the problem with this movie. I don't think there's – I think this movie ends with – questions more than it ends with answers and i think maybe that might have hurt the film i don't know it made its money back it made like i don't know nine or ten million dollars only cost like four million to make uh you know like says passion project to hoffman so i mean it it, it was fine but i i wonder sometimes you know some of those 70s movies some of the ways they ended you know some people didn't like it and uh Mm -hmm. and i think this one uh this one i like the way it ended I, i feel like todd did as well I'm sure Will probably did as well, but it's certainly oh, yeah. it, it's another one of those films that I talk about they just don't make anymore. It's a film with unsavory characters doing unsavory things, and it's it'd be easy to be on the side of righteousness here and say, well, all these people deserve it, but do they? I mean, they've they've had the, some. The, the thing is, the, the, key, the key is that you get the they get the humanity of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the one of the great things, and again, I'll talk about this. I, I do believe Gary Busey. One of the great actors, I really do. I know we, we he, uh, like I say, he's become a caricature of himself. But there's a moment in here where he's trying to be a good dad. He's trying to do the exercise oh, yeah. thing with his son. Jake's punching him and everything else. And then they has that moment where he gets hit and he looks at him. He's like, "I told you not to hit me when I'm not looking at you." And and this moment, this moment of menace and uncomfortability you see in the movie. Mm-hmm. And but then at the same time, when Jake's going to bed, the Jake Busey character's going to bed. He's telling him he loves him and he's sorry for overreacting and stuff. And any any parent can tell you that you have moments where you say something to your kids, where you know they catch you off guard or something, and you might be a little harsher than you need to be. <laughs> uh, yep. and, and then you end up apologizing. But you know oh, it, yeah. that's a human reaction. But when it comes to being an ex-con. There's almost a sense of danger to that reaction that's a little bit there. And that's the weird thing about so so Dustin Hoffman physically has never been a commanding on-screen performance uh, a, a presence I should say. He's always, you know, a, he's a lot like the Ratso Rizzo character. He's a very small kind of diminutive, but he he brings some gravitas with his acting, no doubt, but he's more command in this role yeah. than Ratso for sure. Yeah, but I mean like like Pacino was small too, but Pacino had this voice and this presence that made him kind of a bigger character than he was. Uh, De Hoffman's always kind of been kind of a kind of a background to me, but I got to say, this is maybe some uh, if if not Hoffman's best performance, it's one of his best performances overall. Period, and that's saying something. You're talking about one of the great actors of all time here, and I think in this pound for pound, he's as good as as De Niro, Pacino, any of those guys in the 70s. 
and he nails it so much in this movie. I mean, he's first of all, he's an A plus level smoker. Uh, second is. of all, A plus level dresser. <laughs> uh, some of them collars on them shirts. Uh, but but his moments with all these people with Eddie Bunker with uh, Harry Dean Stanton with Gary Busey he has a couple great moments with Busey's character uh, like you said there's a moment of retribution but there's also these moments of uh, eye contact in the movie where things aren't said that are great there's a you know something that pays off with the Harry Dean Stanton character was just a look uh-huh. and it's it it tears you apart in a weird way even though you know these guys are bad people these are not good people in any way shape or form these are bad people and uh but they have some amount of humanity in them that's caused them to go down this path and it's caused them to be these people that they are and it it just makes you start thinking about criminals in general and and how we kind of can perpetuate that as a society we can perpetuate that reoccurring thing of them going to prison, not really having a shot, and we we create a cycle, you know. Oh yeah, they get out and they don't have a shot because they're not forgiven, and uh, a lot of people won't take a chance on those guys, especially now. Nope. I think I think our culture is even worse now. Like uh, I think it is. If you it get is. out, of, if you go to prison now, you may as well just hang it up because you're going to get out and you're never going to have a normal life. It's always going to be a shit life. Uh, you might get lucky, uh, but yeah, I'd say your odds are slim to none. And you're going to be right back in the, in the joint, so to speak. Sammy speak. Uh, that first meeting with Walsh is really good. But all the scenes in the movie, I think, are really well written and really well done. This is an actor's showcase, this movie. This is not, uh, you know, there is an action scene, oddly, in the movie. But it's never, it's, it's, it's more about conversations. And it's more about uh, looking back on things or wondering if you would have taken a different path. And, you know, it's, it's, it's another example of never underestimating what a desperate person will do. Uh, a desperate person will do anything uh, to get by. And uh, I really think that this film is its criminally underseen. Uh, uh, not, no pun intended, but it's, it, it is. I mean, it's just one of those movies that uh, people should see. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't say that about a lot of movies, but I will say this. I mean, this one, uh, Hardcore is another one I think that's criminally underseen. Uh, we talked about that a long time ago. Although I think, you know, obviously it's caught on over the years because of the joke and the pornography and all that stuff. The big Dick Black and all that kind of then, stuff. Speaking of L.A. crime films that are underseen and we'll cover it at some point. Another one I'm surprised we haven't is The Nickel Ride. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with, yeah. A great, with a great performance. Yeah. I mean, it, it a, little more, a little more pulpy or genre than this, but it still features a fantastic lead performance from Miller. Yeah. Yeah. But these, these films, they kind of disappear for whatever reason. And... You know, I agree with Todd. I mean, when the year in the era of streaming and torrenting and everything else, uh, I mean, it's not like you can't get a hold of this. But for whatever reason, it's just one of those ones that keeps slipping through the fingers of a lot of people yeah. who love movies. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I can't explain that outside of, I don't know. Maybe people don't see Dustin Hoffman as this hardened criminal. Um, you know, he always had a way of playing these kind of whimsical, kind of happy-go-lucky, innocent characters. But he, he, he had a lot of great performances. I mean, if you look through his filmography, there's a lot of great performances from Dustin Hoffman. I think people oh, forget yeah. that. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, Will, I know we're tied for time, but if yeah. you want to throw in some okay, things. Okay, well, my kids can, they can wait five minutes. Okay. <laughs> okay, let me speak on this. Uh, okay, so yeah, this was a list of shamer for me. Wanted to get it out there. Our friend Young Cool Cat's a big, big, big fan. Yeah, fell through the cracks. It's just so baffling. I think Warner Archive put it out on DVD last. Um, people need to see this. Uh, Criterion or someone needs to pick it up. And Criterion especially. I mean, it's just such a 
you know, uh, maybe like you said, maybe the greatest turn from one of the generation's most beloved actors. Um, the early stuff with Hoffman getting out and no one being there to get him and the anxiety and how wound tight he is with the scenes with Walsh and with the scenes when he's trying to go straight in direct contrast to how loose and relaxed and almost in a way charismatic and, and with swagger he feels when he's do, doing crimes. It's such a, it's such a really nice contrast as far as his performance, because he goes from being almost like he's going to spill out and it's on edge to very relaxed and full of a swagger and, a, and, and from a coiled frustration to yeah, this, this swagger, it's really, really well done. Uh, I love just the ritual with the phone and how he's kind of a prisoner to um, this this uh, arrangement with Walsh, and just we see how he's inconvenienced and how it, it the system you know hasn't uh, enabled them to succeed uh, in spite of everything. Uh, you see all the indignities uh, and how that strains a man, and like I said, how it's very emasculating, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, they do a really good job of, of showing the humanity in that. Um, we get to see the most disgusting toenails in the history of cinema in this. Um, let me say that. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> forgive me, but that's just yikes. Um, yeah, we talked about the scene with him and um, uh, Russell at the at the, the little meeting at the, the, the jail. That was really, really well done. Uh, we talked about Quark uh, getting held up. No lightning for Hoffman. Um, no. Um not shaking the pillars of heaven. Not no no pillars of heaven got shook. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I talked about Jack Horner's place. Uh, yeah, Russell has kind of a weary, in a way, street smart, but in over her head here kind of vibe, which works really well. Um, and yeah, Hoffman just feels like an addict. They all feel like addicts, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it just. Yeah, it's it's great. It's you know what's funny. I always thought going into this film, this was a New York film, right? Yeah. I just I assumed it would have been yeah. a New York film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very pleasantly surprised that it was an LA film. Um, very pleasantly surprised. Um, just think at our last film too. There's there's moments this when things get very bad very quickly, and uh, they feel very claustrophobic in how they're shot. They're very tight. Like there's 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 a shootout and the foot chase. It's very organic. Um, it just feels very sudden and kind of wow. Things went pear shaped very quickly, so I don't, I don't want to spoil too much of the film. There's a little montage at the end of the film that, um, very minimal but very effective, and uh, yeah, I like the end of the film. I think it's uh, yeah. I'm glad I finally got this one off the list, man. This one hung over me for a long time, so yeah. In the interest of an Easter egg hunt, I'm going to cut it short. Like <coughs> it. Go ahead, uh, Totter. All righty. Uh, I got uh, MVTs, the cast. Uh, they're fantastic. Um, make a break. I'm going to go with. Uh, I think most folks are going to go for the highway scene. Uh, I'm going to go with the prison scene right before that uh, because I think it's a huge turning point for the character, and you could see the tiny flame of optimism and hope uh, in his eyes just kind of get snuffed out. Uh, score for me, I'm going to go 8 out of 10. Uh, yes. Yeah, this is definitely one that uh, that needs to be seen, um, and should be rightfully so uh, yeah. for a variety of reasons. So. Right. 
Uh, my MVT, I'm going to go Hoffman on this. Uh, obviously, he's behind the camera causing some uh, disruption. But uh, it is his it is his calling card, and uh, I think it's it's easily one of his best performances. Top three has to be. Uh, oh, it has to be. Has to be one of his best performances, period. He's really great in the movie. Um, my make or break, I love that first scene with the Busey and the family. Uh, I love that little dinner scene. It shows okay. kind of the desperation and also kind of the, the sadness overall of uh, their situation, but also... Hoffman's kind of longing for that, but maybe his reality check when he sees how, you know, the Bates character kind of talks to him. You know, yeah, it, it's 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 everything kind of encapsulated in one. Yeah, you know, and give the big yeah, old. Yeah. I love this. I love the idea of giving the big old bear a bear hug, uh, mm-hmm. and that pays that off great. in spades later on in the movie, right? So, there's so many great, like you just mentioned, there's so many great little human touches in this that really um, breathe life into this film. Yeah. And Gary Busey had a hell of a '78. I mean, he had oh, he had this, he had a Buddy Holly story, and he had Big Wednesday in '78. Crazy! So, I mean, it, was a, it was a hell of a year for him. And then he did Carney after that. Mm-hmm. Nuts, so, nuts, nuts. There you go. Um, yeah. All right, uh, and my score for the film, uh, I'm gonna I'm a little bit higher than Todd. I'll go 8.5. I love this movie. I think it's great, and uh, needs to be seen by a lot of folks. I'd high recommend for me. Nice. Yep. Take it. Nice. Uh, okay, so my make or break is going to be the scene with um, with the scene with um, Hoffman and Walsh pre highway. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it, it just it feels like the, the the game is rigged for Hoffman and to the level of frustration and yeah, it's a tough tough scene to, to deal with, right? Because we were given humanity for his character, and then it's just it's it's just tough tough. To swallow. Although I love the scene with him and um, him and Russell at the, uh, the the phone call at the, the jail. Uh, Hoffman. This is the Hoffman show. Whether it's behind or in front of the camera, got to give it to him. Top three performance for sure from uh, an all timer. And I'm of course true to form. Right in between you guys. I think this one is an eight. Fuck, I want to go eight point five. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. I got to go eight point five. This one is excellent. And uh, yeah. Good, good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Low-key, people got to see it. Seek it out. Good stuff. And that's that. Yeah. And you see a station wagon as a getaway car. I mean, come on, man. Come on. That's a bad... That's a... Yeah, we give you a pro tip. You need to get yeah. some little more... Ho- a few more horses, but... <laughs> yeah. A little know. less, a little less uh, bulky to get away from. Oh, yeah. I highly recommend. Oh, yeah. um, mm. All right. So that is the big show. Uh, yes. Will's got things he's got to take care of, so we'll keep the... Oh, yeah. We got eggs to hunt. We'll keep it tight here at the back end. But next week is our Diabolic Show for March. We're doing it in April. Uh, total GGTMC move there. Yeah, that's uh, how we do. <laughs> you know how uh, we do it. Yeah. Uh, but it was my turn to select, and we'll be doing uh, uh, more Gary Busey. He'll be on the show. Funny three. enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going through his filmography at this point. It'll be Big Wednesday <laughs> the week after that. Uh, uh, we'll be doing the Silver Bullet, uh, the Stephen King adaptation. We'll be doing that, and uh, we'll be doing Wild at Heart, the David Lynch film. Nice. Uh, so it should be fun. I don't think Will's ever seen Wild at Heart. I think Todd and no. I both have. Uh, uh, no. No? Okay, Todd has not. And then nice. me and uh, I think we've all seen Silver Bullet. Well, oh, obviously yeah, we Todd's seen them now, but, you know, whatever. You know, anyway, for the show, yeah. we've all, you know. Yeah. Silver Bullet's one I've actually been wanting to pick for a long time, so yeah, I'm glad we'll finally get to talk about it, so. 
All right. That is the big show. We hope everybody, again, is staying safe out there, taking care of themselves, and uh, taking care of their loved ones. We hope everybody has a wonderful Easter. And uh, I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.